Welcome. Welcome, everyone. Wow, great to see you all. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Well, you just happened to, to pick a winner tonight. We are going to watch an all-time classic together. So you're, this will be a real mind-expanding experience experience. Has anybody ever heard of the filmmaker Luc Besson? Luc Besson? That's how you say it? Luc Besson? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Luc Besson. He's going to be our filmmaker tonight and the name of the movie is Lucy. And actually uh, Lucy is coming to match our poll for the week for an uncompromising approach to awakening and also uh, no delays and what was our third one? No people pleasing. And oh yeah, she's she's pretty good at handling distractions. They this is probably the best movie for handling distractions. Uncompromising, fast track, sometimes I call this movie 24 Hours to Enlightenment. It's that strong. So it has all the, the metaphysics and she's going to go from, from being human, from being identified as a woman, to a huge transition in consciousness toward all the way to enlightenment. I am everywhere. So in the span of 24 hours, I'm, even uh, Siddhartha and Jesus would be really impressed. Uh, 24 hours to enlightenment. Instead of taking many, many lifetimes, she's going to take the whole journey for us in one 24-hour period. So that's why it's so mind-altering and mind-expanding. And when you think about it, you know, there's all these great tools and symbols we have. Like, I even sometimes think of um, Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You know, most of us are a little familiar with, with Maslow's pyramid, starting off with the real basic needs at the pyramid, at the bottom of the pyramid, and then working your way up toward the being needs, and then ultimately the top, the pinnacle of the pyramid was self-actualization. So, so basically, uh, even Abraham Maslow would be impressed with Lucy. She's going to go from the bottom of the pyramid, the basic needs, uh, with her boyfriend and her basic survival needs and everything, and then she's going on a rocket ship up through the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, zooming to the top with uh, self-realization. And I would say, you know, this is like an extreme teaching device for application of the metaphysics, because a lot of times when you work with A Course in Miracles and you, the Course seems quite radical in its teachings, and to apply the teachings or to do the workbook and really transfer the training completely to every person, place, and situation. That's the goal of the course, but it's usually done in a little bit slower pace than 24 hours. This is, this is like the compressed uh, 
the compressed version. I remember there's another quantum movie that I like with Nicolas Cage called uh, called Next. And what I really like about that movie is that at the end, when they show the credits, they they run the credits backwards and in like one second, which is kind of a cute quantum ending. Um, you you really know it's a quantum movie when they run the credits backwards and in one second. It's just vroom. And that's that's a teaching device right there. Even the 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 final scene. Who are you seeing? Kristen. Kristen. Oh, there's Kristen. Mm. Kristen, actually, you requested this one time when we were doing a weekend retreat. You said, "Lucy, you you wrote in," but we were having our prayer meeting, and I didn't. Uh, we didn't see that one. So now this is your whim. You get to see. You get to see 24 hours to enlightenment. <laughs> So, um, so actually this is really the fast track and, and yet I was saying earlier today, you know, it's when you get a movie like Lucy and then we have also, we have our co-living, I see our co-living, uh, there's Mexico and, yeah, and Monastery and Camus, there's, there they are, <laughs> there's the Mexico group. Uh, <laughs> What happens when you put, there's, there's Camus, <laughs> we've got our, our co-living communities too. What happens when you put co-living together with Lucy? Uh, it's a very interesting uh, combination. Co-living is like drip fed, it's like drip feed. Uh, and Lucy is like LSD. Uh, <laughs> So, so what do you get when you put them together? You get drip-fed LSD. It's 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 a way it's a way to stay really high and on purpose because you have such a strong reminder and a strong demonstration, really, of of the principles in action. Because Lucy is going to have to navigate time and space, and that's the thing about practicing the principles of A Course in Miracles. It's, it's where, where the rubber meets the road. It's where the, the high, deep principles of A Course in Miracles meet with the time-space cosmos. It's where, like if you, had, if you picture the cross, you've got the vertical, and then you've got the horizontal. And, and what is the most exciting point of, a, of the cross? It's the intersection. It's where the horizontal plane meets the vertical plane. So Lucy is, this movie is, is a lot of strong, strong vertical and the time collapse on the horizontal, that, that horizontal beam comes in, the alpha and the omega comes in very quick. It starts to collapse and move completely to the vertical. And there's Anne, Anne Farrington. Hi Anne. Anne was, Anne was writing to me to have a session, uh, like a, a talk with me uh, during the weekend, but I had that big, uh, we had like average about 600 people per session uh, online this weekend, but here you go. And you've got, what's, what's your, it says something for Jesus. Love like Jesus. Okay. That's foreshadowing Lucy, love like Jesus, that's it. Because that is, is what most people would say, that seems like a tall order, but, but in this movie tonight, Lucy 
is going to take that journey and is going to be there for the demonstration. Now I think the thing I like about it, I think that's probably why we all just felt it uh, for this movie because as far as an uncompromising movie and the practical application, this is like, this is the cream of the crop. I, you're not just going to find a movie that has such a strong teaching about the metaphysics and transcendence. Uh, we've, we do have quite a few movies in the Movie Watcher's Guide to Enlightenment, but this one is is so, so extremely direct. And how that plays out, you might say, even if you took an aspect of your life, like your words. Oftentimes, um, you, you feel like you want to be guided by spirit, and then you want to have the spirit put the words in your mouth, and there's a hesitation from the ego. And the reason there's a hesitation is because the mind doesn't, hasn't fully embraced or come into full alignment with the spirit, and therefore when some of the prompts come in to say something or do something, when the spirit's wanting to come through you, then the ego will oftentimes have great hesitation. And this is where the compromise comes in, where you, you think it, and you may feel it, but you may not speak it. Because it seems like it's too big of a threat to the self-concept. Like, oh, if I say that, the ego says, if you say that, all hell will break loose. Or if you say that, you'll never be able to live that one down. Or if you say that, people will hold you to it, and so on and so forth. So that's where the, the resistance can come in. And that's one of the, the things that makes time for most people seem like such a long experience is because they, they, there's a lot of delays that come in. Jesus says, there are many answers you have received but have not heard, and the reason they're not heard or acknowledged is because they're, they're just too threatening. It's not that the words themselves are threatening, but it's the, it's not that the guidance itself is threatening, but it's the end. It's, it's where the guidance will lead, which is redemption, um, revelation, that's what Jesus says is the greatest fear. It's not a fear of anything in this world, it's a, it's a fear of redemption. And in this movie you'll see a bit of that when, um, when Lucy starts to, uh, with her blue powder, her blue crystals, when she starts to disintegrate a bit, <clears throat> the form starts to disintegrate, um, it gets, it gets actually frightening and scary for her. And, and that, we could say, that scene in the air, airplane, when she has to try to uh, go into the, the restroom and, and get some more of her blue powder or blue crystals. Uh, it's, there's, it's a fearful scene for her because, because she's, it's like, uh, in one sense, it's almost like a little glimpse of disappearance of the universe. And she's not quite ready at that point to have her body uh, completely dissolve and disappear. But that's not so much different than when you have a, a mystical experience. You know, you, you may come down through a meditation experience or a mystical experience where you find yourself extremely um, frightened or disoriented or um, confused after a mystical experience because the ego is is like resisting the experience, saying that that won't fit in at all. 
it, it will, it sometimes will even try to block or push the awareness, push the experience out of awareness because it's just too much for it to handle. And of course, the mystical experiences are not designed for the ego. They're, the ego reacts to them, but it's really for your mind to get, to get a glimpse of something way beyond the ego. So we'll see uh, how Lucy handles that because she's going to go through things in such a rapid way. You know, telekinesis, um, being able to uh, move objects with the power of the mind, communication, being able to telepathically pick up uh, thoughts, uh, even in this case, uh, like uh, different radio waves uh, of communication. She's, she goes through very uh, telepathic experiences in this movie as well as I mentioned about the, the dissolving of the body at one point. It's also, I think, um, it's also a great teaching movie for, as you start to go through major shifts in your consciousness and you start to have major openings, how you handle um, people in your life who may not be able to uh, to understand that is kind of an interesting topic. I know, uh, I know, Anne, you were, you've been telling us, I think, online that you live with with people uh, that aren't necessarily at all on the spiritual path. You've got a house, full, a TV going, and and Trump supporters, and you're in there going through your fast awakening in, and right in your house, there are other people that don't seem to be. Uh, part of that experience, even though they are in, in mind, um, it doesn't seem like consciously that they are, are part of the experience. It just seems like you're getting lots of opportunities when the TV is cranked up and the news media is blasting cor coronavirus, politics, and basically all of the things of the world. It's just accelerated kind of mind training for you. But in this movie I think you're going to pay attention to the uh, the French uh, police officer. He is going to be recruited by Lucy uh, and he has to show great faith to be in the same car with Lucy, to be in the same room with Lucy when Lucy starts to use some of her psycho psychokinesis powers uh, with the K Koreans who are coming at her with their karate and, and all their various uh, weapons and everything, and she kind of just puts them on the ceiling um, <laughs> when they come at her with her mind, with the power of her mind. The, the, I really, that's some of the most comical things in this movie for me is, is the French detective or the French police officer. No, it's not Inspector Clouseau. Uh, that would have been good to see him in there too. I don't know how he would have handled it. Uh, Chief versus Inspector Clouseau. But this French detective, you know, he he's kind of mind blown by the experiences. You know, he he doesn't know. He tries to correct her. He tries to tell her as if he knows something and she doesn't, and she's already in a quite an advanced state. And um, he even he even tells her he won't let he doesn't want her to drive the car. 
and she quickly moves him over to the uh, passenger seat with the power of her mind. There's just some amazing scenes, and yet you, you see how it's good dynamic because he really has to trust if he's going to even be part of these experiences that she's having. And I think it's also good because she's so uncompromising, but that actually helps him break through uh, and come through to a, a much broader state of mind. So that toward the end of the movie, he's actually ready to experience that she's everywhere. But the only reason he is able to even be part of that experience, or her, her communication of that experience, I'll say, is because he has faith. And it shows you how far faith will go. If you have the faith, then you can, you can be taken, uh, we'll say, on the vertical axis of spiritual awakening. You can be taken at such a high rate of speed or it's through such an acceleration if you have the faith. If you just have to have the faith to keep pace with the miracles. Because once the miracles start happening in your life, they, they may seem to come few and far between, but once they start to come in a more rapid succession, then you have a choice to make. Are you going to like trust and take your hands off the steering wheel, uh, kind of like uh, Shirley MacLaine in uh, Out on the Limb, you know, where she's going down the, down the mountain with David and, and she's basically got to take her hands off the steering wheel. And she's quite amazed that, that, that the car doesn't crash, you know, at, at the, everything that happens. But that's kind of like with Lucy. She, you see, she has to really take her hands off the steering wheel, so to speak, because everything is coming so fast. And it's almost like there's something in her mind that knows that she can't really resist this, that somehow somehow the symbol of the blue powder or the blue crystals, that is a symbol of, of rapid spiritual awakening. And the most fascinating thing for me in this movie is, is watching the characters around her, the Morgan Freeman character. He has to, he has to really have a lot of faith and trust. The, the French police officer, detective, he has to have a lot of faith and trust. Um, some of the people, her, her girlfriend, uh, you know, some of the people I don't think are, are quite ready uh, for it, but, but certainly the Morgan Freeman character and the French uh, detective are. And there's even a beautiful scene in there with her mother. Uh, it's a phone call with her mother where she's basically saying she can remember everything. She can remember when she was a baby. She can remember when she was in the womb. She can remember when she, the, the taste of the milk when her mother was breastfeeding her. It's this heightened sense of memory. And that's what we're learning in A Course in Miracles is that memory is a skill that the ego made up, but the Holy Spirit can use anything that the ego made. So the, the Holy Spirit uses like a selective use of memories to take the mind more and more 
out of the memory of time and space and all the memories of time and space and back to the memory of God. And so in this movie, even that is another uh, heightened, uh, you might say, skill, memory skill that she has. She, she can become extremely sensitive and sensitized as it is when she's talking to, to her mother. There's also a scene in an operating scene where they have to try to, she has to go to the hospital in kind of a very direct way. Uh, I like the scene, do you, do you speak English? No. You'll find out there's, she doesn't waste time, or she doesn't, there's not a, lot, not a hesitation with her decisions. But even more wonderful is when she's, she goes into a, an operating room, which is, they're in the middle of an operation, and um, there's the person who's on the operating table, and she's basically, uh, she pushes the, the one who's being operated on <laughs> off the table. And then she just says, uh, he wouldn't have made it anyway, you know. <laughs> she's, she uses like precognition to say, to justify <laughs> shoving a person off of, off of the operating table so she can get on the operating table. And, and then you start to see the, uh, the surgeons, you know, it just, they had never seen anything like it. Uh, but I think what is good about this, there's kind of a humorous aspect to this. And why is it humorous? Because, because deep down inside, all of us want our spiritual awakening to go this fast too. <laughs> we, we all would like it to be, you tell me 24 hours and it's over? I just have to go <laughs> 24 maybe intense extreme hours and then that's it. There's a part of us that's like, yes. <laughs> and so when we watch her going through it in such a direct way, you are not going to see, maybe catch, catch a few scenes at the beginning with the boyfriend and uh, with the Koreans at the beginning. You'll see a little bit of people pleasing going on there because she's, she's very identified with the human being at the beginning. So you'll get a little wisp of some people-pleasing going on. Typical people-pleasing with, with a girlfriend, with her boyfriend, with, uh, with um, the Koreans. You know, the Koreans are not, they're pretty aggressive, <laughs> actually, uh, in this movie. And she's very identified with being a human at the beginning. That's another thing that's fantastic about this movie, because you can see, as she's identified with being a human, with being a woman, she displays all the emotions uh, that are part of the ego. The, the vulnerability, the fear, the anger, the frustration. She's got the whole gamut of ego emotions being identified with a human being. And by the end of the movie, they're gone. They're gone. I just showed the movie Tron over the weekend. I see, Manuel, you were there for, for our Tron movie. I, she, on the grid, Lucy, at the end of the movie, she would, uh, Clue would have no way to handle Lucy uh, with the capabilities that Lucy has. As Lucy goes into spirit, uh, Clue is gone. Clue is gone from the equation. The ego is, is out of there. She'll, she will whoosh away with her hands scenes and eras of history. She will just wipe out 
um, different eras of history with a wave of her, her hand. The, Luc Bassant has put together a, quite a masterful movie at Transcending Time and Space. I think uh, Mary Baker Eddy would have loved this movie. <laughs> she would be like watching the final 20 minutes going, there is no mind and matter, there is no life, truth, substance or intelligence and matter. And there, Lucy's, <laughs> Lucy's my proof. Do I hear an amen? Yes, Lucy. Because, because these are kind of scenes that Mary Baker Eddy actually, uh, you know, when, during uh, Tron when uh, Cora has her arm chopped off and then, uh, you know, Kevin has to get in there, Kevin Flynn has to get in there and reconfigure, but she's an ISO, so he's a bit tentative. But anyway, her, her arm regenerates. And that's, that's actually happened in uh, the history of Christian science. You know, people talk about symptom removal. What about arm replacement, where an arm that's been cut off literally regenerates, like, uh, like in Tron? That actually happened in the history of Christian science. Now that's a mind over matter experience. That's not removal of a symptom. Uh, that's reattachment, regeneration of an arm, of an entire arm. And that's what happened in Tron. But in this movie, we'll see that it's almost like that Lucy sometimes destabilizes in terms of form and then she, she uh, comes back around, particularly in the, the bathroom of the plane. But also, she's always dealing with this thing of private thoughts. Like, like even when she has psychokinesis and ability to control matter, she still is an awkwardness with it. So, you know, that's why we're doing the course and we're just following along what Jesus is giving us and following the instructions because he, he wants us to have a, a really a gentle undoing, that the real world and the happy dream only come through gentleness. Uh, and, and also, it's time and space are under the control of Jesus, so um, we're just going to have some fun with the movie tonight, but it's almost like this is uh, spiritual awakening on steroids. Uh, Jesus is going to have some fun with us uh, to see how our minds can handle spiritual awakening on steroids. Ken's got his hands up. He's going like this because he's been every week. He's been rooting. <laughs> we have a list of movies, and he's like Lucy, 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 Lucy. <laughs> so now, happily, the the poll team put non-compromise and, and what is it? No delay. They put the right the right ingredients. Ken's like, it has to be. There's just no, the deck, the deck is stacked tonight, so we're going to get to see it. And as, again, Kristen had, had wanted this, so this is for Kristen too, a whim um, from what, what she had wanted to see too. So sit back, enjoy the movie. I will come in during the movie because there's so many uh, amazing points, but I'll, I'll just try to let Jesus guide me and pick my spots for this. And, um, and that is always, I will be so uh, curious to hear your experiences with this movie and maybe even questions because it's, it's rapid fire. Uh, so sometimes they say, hold on your hat because Kansas is going bye-bye. This is definitely one of those Kansas is going bye-bye movies. 
it's I think probably in our community it's one of the probably the all-time classics. Is anybody here not seen Lucy? Oh, Marina. 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 This is Marina has not. Look, Manuel can't believe it. Oh my God! No, it's impossible. <laughs> So we know that after Marina sees Lucy, then surely there will be a Spanish version <laughs> coming. <laughs> Spanish version. I don't know what the Spanish words are for too hot to handle. Uh, but there will be some kind of phrase, she will put a, 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 a warning on the, on the thing. Too hot to handle. <laughs> Hot tamale. <laughs> Pelecula, hot tamale. Okay, so settle in and enjoy the movie and I'll be joining you very shortly. So, we can see from these last five minutes that there was a strong emphasis on the word time. Uh, whether it's Morgan Freeman, the scientist, the evolutionary scientist talking about you know, cells either have to, to choose uh, to reproduce or immortality, which, you know, you could say to die. Um, he's choosing to use immor immortality. It's certainly not the way Jesus uses immortality. But, but basically, he says that the purpose of these cells on the timeline uh, are, are to gain time. Uh, that's the whole purpose so that's kind of an interesting uh, phrase coming from like a, an evolutionary kind of uh, scientist, a biologist. Uh, this idea that underneath reproduction, underneath splitting of cells, underneath the multiplicity of what seems to be this world, he's saying the purpose underneath is to gain time. And in one sense, since the ego invented time and space, you know, this is the, the purpose that the ego made the world. It's, the world was made in hatred, but actually the world was made to make up something artificial. So we could say the artificial environment of the cosmos, of time and space, is, is a time construct. So time is underneath it all. And then at the very last scene there, before I pause, you can see her when she's feeling threatened, when she's feeling confused, when she's feeling extremely fearful, her thoughts are also about time, about saving time and just hold on and, and it's just a matter of time. She's, you know, it's in a state of fear, the, the default is to be concerned about time. Because fear and time are really synonymous you know, that everything about the world, a lot of times when people think about the problems that they have, they think about problems in a personal sense, or problems in a global sense, uh, problems, issues, issues on the planet, issues with relationship issues, all kinds of scales of issues, but, but basically what's good about this movie is it's basically saying that everything about the timeline is about gaining time and including um, reproduction and multiplication of images. So it really is a good 
good start for us in the movie because you might say that that's what the miracle does, it collapses time and the whole point of, of collapsing time is the atonement, which is the first miracle, the last miracle and all the miracles in between. You might say that's just the experience that, that time doesn't exist, that um, the separation never happened. Atonement is the awareness that the separation never happened. So the holy instant, the atonement is the solution. But in this movie, even at the very beginning when Lucy seems to be, she seems to be very identified as being human and very vulnerable because of it and very much her thoughts are racing in terms of time, trying to think of a solution, think of a way out of the predicament of the situation with time. But that's always struck me of the, the, the images of the clock and the images of the way they're swirling these images because basically it's, I think it's just foreshadowing that, that that's really the issue. It's not what it seems to be on the surface. It's really what, what the issue is, is really it's a matter of time. And all we can say from the Course is that Jesus says time and eternity cannot coexist. One is real and one is not. So the whole world, the whole cosmos based on, is based on like a dissociation in the mind. But ultimately the whole purpose of perfect love, cast out fear, or of bringing together um, the holy instant with this belief in time is that time must disappear. That the, that the darkness will disappear in the presence of light. And I think that's kind of the basis of, of what this whole movie is. It really is going to take us on a journey into uh, transcending time. So, okay, let's see what happens. She's now in a prison cell with a bag of blue powder crystals uh, that have been inserted into her stomach so that she can she and these other characters can, can smuggle this new drug into Europe so it can be uh, like sold to the, to the young people uh, for a profit. That seems to be the scheme that's going on here with the, with the Koreans. We'll see how she handles the, her prison time here. Okay. <laughs> Oh my gosh, if we just stopped the movie right there, I could talk to you for about three weeks uh, just about what's going on in the mind. It's not so much the brain, but the brain just reflects, you know, she's at 28% of brain capacity, but let's just say from Course in Miracles terms, we just said you had 28% of your mind's capacity. Already she's, pick, she's able to control all different kind of different waves. Um, she uh, is, when she wanted information uh, from the, uh, the Korean man who was getting uh, his tattoo, basically um, she, she asked for it, but he just gave her a, a mean look. So she kind of put her hands to his temples and extracted the locations. As far as no private thoughts, there you go. Uh, you know, basically uh, that's a very unusual expression session she had with the Korean man. 
But basically, um, she was basically saying, we have to get in touch with all these human emotions, and those are the things that stand out to me, even though she's only at 28% of capacity. One thing I noticed right away, from the beginning of in the prison cell to right now at 28%, she doesn't really seem to have a sense of hesitation with decision making. You don't see her, her uh, debating about her decision making. In other words, the thing that was number one on our survey says poll was uh, being non-compromising. She is extremely non-compromising. Uh, it's almost like she's, she's on autopilot. I know a lot of people, they, they write to me and go, this is terrible, there's no spiritual awakening in gunning down people that don't speak English or <laughs> gunning all the people that are killed. But I think the symbology for me is if it's, if it's like 24 hours to awakening, the key factor I'm seeing at 28%, we'll say of mind's capacity, is that she, she doesn't really have a, a, an ounce of people-pleasing uh, going on there. She is not people-pleasing. She is not compromising with people, she picks up thoughts, she is not holding back in, on any of her emotions, her sensitivity, even with her mother, she's talking about this cat, this Siamese cat with blue eyes, and her mother says, you can't possibly remember that, you, you were just, you know, were a baby. You, you can't possibly remember that, but she has memory of lots of things. Her awareness has expanded so enormously. And why is it important at this stage of the movie? Because, because when we're talking about working with A Course in Miracles, I think you can start to see this idea of no people pleasing and no private thoughts and no compromise is, is very, very, very important. And you can you can say, see if you see justifications in your mind. Like maybe you hear your mind saying, well, I, I definitely cannot be uh, that non-compromising in terms of my purpose. Um, like for example with Anne, Anne you've got the, the people that you live with, the TV's running, the media's on there, and you're probably thinking, I'm doing, I'm really going, I had a mystical experience on a walk uh, a couple weeks ago when I was outside, and yet, wow, where, my, where these characters in my dream are, and where my mind is at, there seems to be a little bit of a gap there. But you see, with Lucy, she doesn't really have the gap. Um, she is not hesitating with the characters that are around her. It's almost like she's got this feeling that her body's going to be gone in, in a little bit over 24 hours, and she's on this uh, destined uh, rocket ship <laughs> experience of expanding capacities, and she's only at 28%. Uh, you know, what is that, 70 Two, she's got 72% more to go, and already at 28, the, the non-compromise is extremely strong. The no people pleasing, the no private thoughts. It's striking contrast to human beings. 
Uh, it's a striking contrast even to her at the beginning when she had the boyfriend and she goes in and with the Koreans, you know, you can see there's so much fear there that there's lots of, of compromise and she's just trying to navigate the whole thing. But I really like this, the beginning of this movie because it's when we tend to think in terms of spirituality, people tend to think they try to project into the future like, wow, here I am doing this mind training with A Course in Miracles. And sometimes people like to think, uh, well, what will the next, what will I look like in 10 years? <laughs> at, this, at the rate I'm going now, will there even be 10 years? Or what, what could I possibly evolve to? And I think that's the value of this movie. Lucy's getting us, giving us a good peek at at the beginnings of spiritual awakening. Because if we're going to go at this very directly, um, we, we have to be at a point where we start to realize that we don't, we, if we start listening to guidance, and the guidance starts giving us instructions, and the guidance starts, we'll say, helping to unwind the self-concept, or undo the self-concept, uh, what we seem to perceive as the world, the way we perceive it, and what we even perceive in the world through that lens, is going to shift pretty dramatically, and it has already for Lucy. She is definitely not acting the same way she did at the beginning of the movie. And Jesus tells us what you do comes from what you think. So she's definitely not thinking the same thoughts. She's in a different alignment here because those actions, um, she is moving through time and space like there's not a moment to waste. Like uh, she has not been hesitating, she's very direct, she's very straightforward, and um, even in this world, if you meet people who are extremely direct, extremely, extremely straightforward, these would be the ones where we say, wow, you don't beat around the bush, you are like, you are super direct. Usually, people say they, uh, they stir things up. They stir the pot. They push the buttons. Well, they're not really pushing buttons, it's just that the ego is reacting to such clarity, to such non-compromising direction. And that's a key thing in the spiritual awakening. When you start to tap into guidance, you will start to get into an attunement or an alignment that is taking you in the most direct way towards spiritual enlightenment. The ego, of course, is not too happy with this. It, it can freak, but you can start to see from watching Lucy, you may even start to notice some of your thought patterns of, you may say, well, I'm compromising with this, or with, with these people, or with the finances, or, or with my job, or you know, you can start to see little glimmers of pockets of compromise. Why? Because you watch Lucy and you go, whoa, like how many people come across a role model like that, that, that have like, she's used 28% capacity and she's, she's right there. So I think that's going to be the value, a lot of the value of this movie, a lot of it is showing right now that this is the beginning stages of, of spiritual awakening. To the extent that you can trust the guidance and follow the guidance, 
the undoing is, I'll use the word, exponential. That as you begin to trust the guidance and follow the guidance, I know in, in the parable of David it seemed to play out over a number of years, but I, I wasn't like uh, anything like in, what's the movie, Little Buddha, when uh, little Siddhartha is walking along and lotus petals are appearing under his feet. Remember little Buddha as he's walking along. I don't think any of us really had lotus petals um, coming out under our feet when we were walking. Uh, but look at Lucy, you know, she's like, she's like on a, on a fast track. And it's important just to notice the way that she is, is operating. And that's one of the reasons why we picked this movie, is she is very, very, very uncompromising. She is not justifying anything. She's not using the world to justify things. She occasionally gives a tiny little thing, like, like when she goes and shoots the, the patient on the operating table and whoof, and pushes the, the body off there. He, he, would have, he would have died anyway because of something in the brain. Um, you know, she gives a little bit of a context. That's a, that is not much context. I sometimes sit with people in community in the early days. We would, I would talk for like eight hours in a row giving context when all the emotions were coming up and we would talk and we still do all the context talks. Why do I have to do that? I don't see why I have to do that. Well, let me give you a little context. She's giving, that was the shortest context before, before she shoots the body and pushes the body off the operating table. He would have died anyway. Now that's a real short context. I could tell you as a spiritual teacher, usually the students would not let you get away with, with that short of a context. But she's like, she is not messing around with that. If you think of all the, the decisions of time and space are just beliefs, and basically they're just conclusions based on everything that you believe in your unconscious mind, and now she's already too 28% of capacity, what does that mean? We'll just say that she's exposed 28% of her unconscious mind. She's only got, what is that, 70, 72% more to bring into full awareness. Because what is spiritual awakening except bringing everything that's unconscious into consciousness? So you have full consciousness, and you have total consciousness, where you are fully conscious, if we just use the words fully conscious. If you're like looking at Maslow's hierarchy, uh, you know, pyramid, she's already gone up past the lower levels, uh, pretty, she's advanced pretty far, 28%. But I just wanted to pause the movie here just to point out the, the way that she is going about it. Because actually, for everyone's life, if you really are honest and you start to look at where am I compromising, where do I have to justify, where am I making excuses, where am I saying I, I'm limited, uh, maybe Siddhartha could become the Buddha and Jesus could become the Christ, but I'm, I'm this personality, and you just think, no way, then you have to start to real, feel the energy of this movie, it's like, yes way, yes way, 
Yesway. And Yesway means how honest, how radically honest am I going to be about what I'm still keeping hidden? What am I still holding on to? What am I, where do I still believe I have to, uh, to uh, compromise? Uh, and how much do I believe that compromise is still good? Most of us grew up thinking compromise was a pretty, pretty good word. Not, not once we start to get awakened spiritually, all of a sudden it's, it's like ego. <laughs> ego is compromise. But when you're growing up, you know, usually it's like, oh, if you're going to be in a relationship, well, you better be able to compromise. If you're going to make it through, uh, high school, you better be able to compromise. If you're going to make it through university, you really have to be able to compromise. If you're going to get a job, um, you're going to have to compromise. If you're going to have a career, you're going to have to compromise. If you have children, oh, you're really going to have to compromise. You know, it just, it's, you can start to see on the human scale, if you start talking about these topics, it's how much compromise is there going to have to be. And then, in A Course in Miracles, Jesus says, salvation is no compromise of any kind. You know, you get back to the Beyond All Idols section, and salvation is no compromise of any kind. So what Jesus is actually saying is, spiritual awakening comes to zero compromise. Zero compromise what? What's he talking about? Well, let's say, if there's a make-believe self-concept that's a personality, that's in time and space, Jesus is saying, that's compromise. How much? How much, you mean having a personality and, and believing in air and the earth and time and space and galaxies? Jesus says, 100%. You've compromised 100%. You're the Christ. You are a spiritual being that was created by God, and you've got a massive hallucination going on that involves personality and time and space. So to believe in the world, the cosmos, is a hundred percent compromise. Why? It's a substitute for love. Remember the Madonna song? Shall I wait for you? A substitute for love. A substitute for love. The, the, the cosmos and the personality self and everything of time and space is a hundred percent compromise on true identity, which is Christ. Because Christ is just a pure idea, a pure spirit in the mind of God. So now, we're watching a movie where this is cool. We've got a character in the movie who's in front of us now, and she's at 28 percent. Isn't that cool? Isn't it cool to watch how she is not messing around. She is not messing around. She is not hesitating. Confucius say, he who hesitates is lost. Oh, she's 28%. She's like 28% not lost. You know, until you go 100%, you really don't, you don't escape. You really are still bound at 99.9. .9. But, but the very idea, you know, even when they asked the Morgan Freeman, the scientist character, what happens when you reach 100%? I have no idea. Isn't that a sweet answer? That, there's the I don't know mind. There's someone who's like, I have no idea. I, don't, I won't even try to make a hyp hypothesis on that one. I won't even, even try to throw anything out for that one, because that is, is beyond 
this world. So I, that's what I like about this movie is, I think this movie is it's extreme, it's, it's radical, but it's radical I think for our purposes that it's radical in a good way. Because we like to see, we need role models. We, I mean, I'm, not, I'm not suggesting you go out with, the, with guns and, you know, don't take it literally. But I mean, we, we, we need role models of non-compromise if we're going to reach a state of complete non-compromise, then it helps us to even get a glimpse of 28%. Because then we can start to take that and, and take it into our awareness. Like, what does this mean for me? Where am I compromising in my relationships? Where am I compromising in my job? I just had somebody who wrote to me a couple days ago, and it was really sweet. She said, I'm a school teacher, and I really love working with children. And she said, um, but I feel like when I'm at work, and I'm at school, and I'm working with the children, and I'm doing A Course in Miracles, that this is, this is what's going on, she said, in my mind, is I'm aware that 50% of the words that come out of my mouth are not in alignment with my purpose. This is what she writes in an email. 50% of the words that come out of my mouth at this job that I enjoy are, are not in alignment with my purpose. I like children, I like my job, but 50% but of the words that come out of my mouth are not in alignment. And then she said, but I'm too afraid to quit my job because I have economic fears. And, and there she was. It was just so beautiful. She wrote a few paragraphs to me, but she was like giving me almost like a compromise report. <laughs> you know, hi David, I've never written to you before, but here's where I'm compromising. And da 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 da. And you know, you're not going to find this very often from, from the everyday human being. But actually somebody who's studying in Course in Miracles does start to watch their mind, they watch their thoughts, and they do watch the words that are coming out, and then they do start to feel this alignment thing. Like, how, uh, how much am I in alignment with my highest calling? You know, I can see, Manuel, you're nodding there, you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. As you can see, this is, this is an important thing when you're on a, a journey of spiritual awakening. How am I compromising? Where am I compromising? How much am I compromising my, my calling? And then that, that's, that starts to become like very important. So we'll, we'll see where it's going to, she's going to take off with some skills and abilities like you wouldn't believe. Uh, they talk about these in parapsychology. Uh, you can study them. Uh, you can study psychokinesis. You can study telepathy, you can, there's all these things in parapsychology that have been studied actually for decades, part of parapsychology, but, but we're going to see her, she's going to be like the peacock, opening <laughs> full range, full colors, all showing you all the feathers, you know, it's like Pocahontas, you know, can you paint with all the colors of the wind? Well, Lucy is going to be able to paint with all the colors of the wind. She's going to have this range of natural abilities that come into her awareness just because she is not holding on to the 
compromise and, and not trying to stuff anything down. It's more of the reverse. She's just, her consciousness is, is being, um, being unveiled. She's, her awareness is rapidly uh, expanding. And, and it's, in this movie it's talked about in terms of percentage of brain capacity. Some of you have probably lived like I have. What did we used to, remember the human potential movement? The human potential movement. Well, Lucy is going towards 100% human potential, which we could call spirit. Um, the, the end of the rainbow with that. Self-actualization, yep, she's going right into that. Maybe you like India and the Eastern traditions. Self-realization, yep, she's on, on, the, on the beacon for self-realization. No matter what you call it, this, this movie is showing you the metaphor of, of a spiritual awakening. And, and the best thing about it is when you start to look at your own mind and you just start to, to look at the role model and then you start to look at, hmm, what is, this, what is this showing me? What does this movie have to teach me? Practically speaking, that's the best. That's the best use of it. But, so here we go, hold on to your hat. Now, Lucy's just getting started. Now 28%, she is just getting rolling, you know. She's going to be the kind of role model. We've, we've shown this movie, I think when we first went to see it in, uh, in, in the theater uh, at Park City, uh, Helena Hunison went into a mystical experience and could hardly walk out of the theater. After this movie, she she literally couldn't couldn't hardly walk. She had to have two people on each, one on each side of her because she went into a mystical experience with the movie <laughs> at the theater. You know, so here we go. We're only at twenty eight percent. Okay, so just in that little three four minute clip, you, there's a lot there. There was this psychokinesis. You see. I was telling uh, Svava, she just went to the hairdresser, uh, JJ, it was a big encounter for a couple hours. No, you see the, the black hair just drops down, that's psychokinesis, she's, she's literally, she doesn't have to, to get a wig or change, change hair, hair through a wig, she just uses the power of her mind to drop down the dark hair, the black hair instead of the light hair. Um, remote viewing. She's doing remote viewing. That's another parapsychology uh, uh, skill that, that has been demonstrated with human beings is to be able to, to view different scenes and scenarios. And she's saying, you know, that, you know, pick up that pen with the red tip to your right. And, you know, no, and as, even as he kind of glances around as if, um, like he's in his own office and he's embarrassed by following her instructions. She said, there are no cameras, we have no time to waste. You know, she's, she's telepathic, she's remote viewing, she's psychokinetic. You know, she's only got 30, that was our number we saw, 30%. Now she's gone up two from this 28% of no people pleasing, no private thoughts, and no hesitation, no compromise, and now she's got two more percent, and now she's way off into tele telekinesis, you know, telepathy, she's remote viewing, you know, she's, 
And she's also still just using those skills and abilities now with what? Direct communication. You know, there's going to be three people coming, they're smuggling drugs, what, what form, it's, a, it's, a, it's powder in pouches, you know, she, you need to pick them up, um, uh, and I'll contact you later, da 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 da. Look at the communications, even with all those extra psychic powers, she's still extremely uncompromising, extremely direct, like she's not wasting time. Some of you know I like this uh, Dr. Shafali. Sometimes I watch this uh, this uh, counselor. What is she like? A coach, job, a coach, she's a psychologist. psychologist, coach, and everything. And during the pandemic, she did all these um, like fifty some viral wisdom. Uh, she started just broadcasting and everything. And some days she just she was just riffing from a place where she started realizing that because of the pandemic, she was starting to realize where she was compromising in her life. She started talking about her relationships, where she's been compromising, and she was saying, well, I'm not going to do that anymore. People, if you have people in your life that are not serving your higher calling, that are not bringing you into the present moment, let them go. I mean, she just started riffing in the middle of the pandemic, and I mean, she was really ripping along there where she was starting to realize that, that even the situations that you're perceiving, the environment you perceive, if you perceive you're trapped in this, trapped in that, trapped in certain relationships, trapped in things. She went on for like half an hour, 45 minutes maybe, and I was just smiling from ear to ear because I'm like, whoa, I like this non-compromising, I'm hearing. I was like telling Svava, like, are you hearing her? She's like, she's going for it. She is, she is saying, don't hold back from the present moment. Don't let anything in your world, in your life, hold you back. Don't compromise your joy. Don't compromise your integrity. Don't compromise your alignment. And uh, she would then start to disclose where she is compromising with her 17-year-old daughter, with this, with that. You know, she, as soon as you go into the joy, of non-compromise, then you'll notice some of the compromise points will, will be loosened in your mind. They'll start coming up right away. And then you can see them. They'll start coming up into awareness. So, yeah, it's just fun with, the, with this movie because it's, it goes so rapidly now. She's up to 30%. Remember how, how Morgan Freeman at the lecture at the beginning said, when you reach 30%, I believe he said, you'll be able to control other people. It was more, the 20% was more you're, you're controlling your own body, and then 30% was controlling other bodies. Do you see with that dog, the drug-sniffing dog? She raised her sunglasses, and she just looked into the eye of the drug-sniffing dog, and the dog backed off. You know, there it is. Morgan Freeman told us that you'd be able to control other bodies. And, and there she did it, right there, with the glasses. So you can start to see as you watch this movie that you, you know, the idea that, that Lucy is a victim 
<laughs> it's it's gone fast. I mean, you know, she's like zooming into that Course in Miracles workbook lesson. I am not the victim of the world I see. She's like, she's only at 30% and she's not even close to seeing a victimization uh, situation at this point. Now, we know about the Koreans. The Koreans, you know, kind of came at her at the beginning before she started on her evolution and then uh, she did a little expression session uh, with the main guy, so <laughs> she needed a little information. She got a little extraction going there of some thoughts, and because she needed them for her mission, and now we're going to see as she's going along, no, no, you're not seeing a victim played out here. You know, this is more, you know, some of you have studied psychology, you know, humanistic psychology, isn't that lovely humanistic psychology? Everybody's good at the core and everybody's going to reach their full potential. What comes after humanistic psychology? Has anybody gone past to the next realm? Transpersonal. After humanistic psychology is transpersonal. Well, already she's, she is 30% and I think she's she can't go to the humanistic psychology class anymore because she's got to go to transpersonal uh, class because she's already transcending the person of Lucy in a pretty dramatic way, quite dramatically. And that's just a good witness for all of us that she's, she is not slowing down now. She's like on one of those, those curves, you know, that go, what do they call those? Like a, Parabola, something. It's some you know where you go up. The curve goes way up. It's like going up, like some of the corona counts in some of the states in the United States. Up, up, up. She's going up with consciousness. Up, 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 up. She's on a, a steep climb. So that's that scene is kind of a it's kind of a a symbol of a mystical experience because in the mystical experience the you can seem to lose awareness of the body or the, the body can even seem to disintegrate and so forth. And the fear is, again, where's the fear coming in? Is it fear is the ego. I mean, if you're 40% um, human, that it's like you're 60% away from spirit. And you, that means 60% away from the light. And what does Jesus tell us in the Course? He said, you're really not afraid of death. And you, he said, you're really, fear doesn't bother you too much. You don't like it. But actually, it doesn't really bother you. You just try to manage it here on planet Earth. Fear doesn't really bother you. And really, you're not really afraid of dying. Your, your real terror is redemption. You are terrified of redemption. Why? It's because the, the mind so identified with the body and the world that it's now turned the tables and, it's, and the light is what the terror is about. Even when, when you sometimes resist, like you start getting little prompts and nudges um, of guidance or, or things that you can feel as part of the guidance that the Spirit's saying, telling you something, giving you instruction or something, and then you feel your heart closed a little bit or you feel a little bit of of resistance, I'll call it, a resistance to the guidance, like, no, I'm not going to do that. No, thank you. That, it's not really 
the fear of that particular guidance and specifics or the fear of that prompt. It's a fear of where this is heading. If I follow the guidance, then I'll return to the light. And the ego's like, not good, not good at all. Because if you go to the light, then the ego is, is gone. It's, it's, a, it's disappeared, it's obliterated, it's, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't have any existence. So if you go to the light, there is no ego. So, so here it is where she's just at 40%, but she's having like a mystical kind of experience and, and there's, a, there's fear uh, associated with it because it's, it's actually the fear of redemption. She's, she's fearing the 100%. Um, because what is the 100%? It's the unknown. 40% is the known. <laughs> Even that's a big stretch, you know, this psychokinesis, the, the telepathy, you know, the remote viewing, those are, people get a little freaked out when they start to get in touch with some of these psychic powers, but they really freak out if they have a mystical experience because the ego does not interpret a mystical experience in a pretty way. It's like, you can just forget that that ever happened. Or, don't tell anybody what you just went through there because they'll block you up. You know, you'll, they'll, you'll think, they're going to think you're nuts if you tell them um, about your mystical experience. So many of the mystics and saints throughout history, they may journal them or they may uh, they may keep them, they may tell a very trusted friend, but they're not going public with the mysticism, you know, for, for fear of, you know, being locked up. Uh, and this is what happens on the spiritual journey, so that's why Jesus kind of gives a, a few pep talks throughout the course, basically saying, you know, you're going to resist, that's, it's going to happen. You're going to wander, yep. You're going to wander in time and space. You'll come back, but then you'll wander some more. You know, doubt will go and come and go to, and come again. It, it's going to, you're going to go back like the pendulum, back and forth with the doubt thing. He's given all the, he's like given the context for spiritual awakenings. So, so there's, a, it's like you know a little bit what's coming. Kind of like in that movie Time Traveler's Wife where he tries to read the journal. So he can tell, tell a little girl when he'll be coming and showing up there, because he doesn't want her to be so afraid of just these uh, unannounced visits. Jesus is doing the same thing with the Course. He's like, he's giving us pep talks and he's kind of giving us a context about the emotions. Like, don't, don't judge yourself if you start to vacillate. Don't judge yourself if you get into resistance. Um, it's actually part of the way it goes. And with Lucy, you know, she's just, that's like her first kind of, I mean, I think even in the prison cell with all that energy, that was shocking. And now this mystical experience in the airplane is, is pretty shocking too. But, but she's just at 40%. You know, we have to, again, she's just giving us pointers, you know, on our journey. We, sh we shouldn't be freaking out when we have a mystical experience. Just journal it, call David up, Here's what happened, da, da 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 you know, oh yeah, that's good, that's good, 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 check, check, check. You know, it's, don't, but just make sure you call the right people, don't call the psychiatrist. Um, 
you know, that you could be drugged for about 25 years if you, if you try to, you know, as a straitjacket, you know. So this is why you have to be intuitive, you have to pray, you have to listen, you have to follow. The Spirit's going to give you instructions along the way. But Lucy's showing us, she's kind of showing us the way, actually, um, because we don't have a whole lot of role models that we experience that go through these things. You see how that kind of alters the conversation. <laughs> She's being direct and honest, I need to talk to you, right? You see, she never is out of character. She's, she's, she's just about her calling and mission. I need to talk to you. You need to put your hands up, says the cop, the French cop. And then her next move kind of takes that off the table. Like he's like, he's just gone into another realm. Like, he's just like... Imagine if you have some relationship difficulty and you're in a relationship with Lucy and you're trying to like, one, trying one of your ego maneuvers, you know, I need to talk to you. And then you throw your ego maneuver and then before you know it, the whole context has just completely changed and you can't even come up with the next sentence. Like, but that's what I love about this French detective, you know. He's on a ride, because now and everyone that's near her is going to go on this ride, is going to go on this spiritual journey. You see how that works? Like, you're with me on this journey, so it's a, we're, we're going into some interesting areas here of the mind and of perception, but you see how it works. That just because she is so devoted and so direct and so non-compromising, now the other characters, which are part of her perception, are starting to be drawn into her awakening. Because it's really just one mind. It's not Lucy awakening, or this one awakening, or that one. It's just the mind awakening, and then the witnesses start to come. And this is good for us to know too, because that way we, we're not, it, it really stretches us from thinking that we understand time and space. You know, it's really showing how pliant, how ple flexible perception is when it's under direction of the Holy Spirit. You know, it's, it's, quite, it's quite expansive. You can't just assume that you know who you are and where you are and what you are um, when you start following this, this direction. Because the Holy Spirit knows that you just believe you're in time and space. You're at, you're at home in heaven, dreaming of exile. The, uh, Jesus, at one point they asked Jesus something to the effect of, you may, you may believe, wonder how long it will take to completely uh, heal your mind. And he says, how long is an instant? He, he answers the question with a question. How long is this going to take me to wake up completely? Jesus says, how long is an instant? Whoa, that's answering a question with a question. And, and, and he says, you know, you may not understand how you can possibly escape from fear while you are still in this world. But then he comes up with another question. But who is the you who are in this world? Oh boy, you know, that's, those are kind of questions you don't hear every day. Who is the you that's in the world? You know, imagine waking that with that up as uh, painted on your ceiling as you sleep at night. You know, you're in pillow. You 
open up, you see your eyes, who is the you that is in this world? Hmm. That's a good one. Thank you. That's a good one. I'll, I'll keep that in mind today. You know, that's the kind of thing that you have to do in spiritual awakening. You have to be willing to question everything that you believe because the thoughts that you think you think and the beliefs that you think you hold are telling you who you are and they're telling you where you are and they're telling you how you're stuck. But those are just thoughts and you're not even the thinker of those thoughts. Those aren't real thoughts. Those aren't not actually any of those thoughts are, are not real. But they tell you who you are, where you are, and how limited you are in time and space as an identity. And those, those are the ones that have to be released if you go for the 100%. So, that, it's like this movie, I remember when I first saw it, I thought, my gosh, every, every three minutes you can stop it and do a whole teaching session on every three minutes as you get into the movie because there's so much going on. It's going on so rapidly. So let's, let's see. I like the French detective though. He is a, he's trying to be, he's trying to play the cop role the best he can here with Lucy. So did you notice her answer? Do you always drive like this? Basically, do you always drive like this is a version of what question? It's a version of the past. It's just trying to box, box in, some, find out some information based on the past. Do you always drive like this? You see how time-oriented that is. And she says, I've never driven before. Because it's not, it's not a person driving. She's, she now is in charge of the car, She's in charge of the traffic. You see how expansive this is? And how expansive the mind is. She's, she, I've never driven before. Well now, that's a state of invulnerability, you know. She's not concerned about whether it's a police car or not, you know. You can, hey, lady, lady, you can't, it's a police car. And she moves the, the little uh, light, flashing light, you know, that offends him. And then, you know, she's going to drive. It's just the expectations are getting popped left and right. Even, do you always drive like this? I've never driven before. And I think that's important. That's the reason I'm pausing here is because these, these scenes are so rich and valuable in terms of teaching because she's at the point now where it's more than remote viewing or a little bit of psychokinesis and everything, but she she's when, when the mind gets linked up into the miracle, time and space get arranged. You know, we, hear, we read that in the Course, but we usually don't have many examples of time and space being arranged. Oh, we get a lot of examples with Lucy, because she says, I've never driven before. She, she seems to be in the driver's seat, and yet things are happening now that are almost, we could say, that the whole perception, the whole situation is now being orchestrated by something greater than a personal mind. It's literally, time is in the hands of the miracle worker, is what Jesus says. Now I know, I know people read that line in the Course and they go, What's, what does that mean? Time is in the hands of the miracle worker. But you can see the whole 
situation is being arranged here. And this is showing us more about how the miracle works. When you are in your purpose, when you are in your function, then time and space are rearranged, metaphorically, to suit the, the miracle. For human beings, time and space actually seem to be absolutes. There are many scientists, and many Newtonian scientists in particular, that believe that time was an absolute. And even until Einstein came along and said, no, time is an absolute, it's relative. Um, another thing is, I know if you talk to people, and you, another thing of absolute time is this belief that, that it's, a, it's a specific kind of finite thing that, that carries through. Like, you know, if I said to you, which is longer, a, a second? in Paris, or a second in New York City, or a second in Beijing, you might say, well, David, a second is still a second. You must remember this, a kiss is still a kiss, and time is always time. A second is a second, David. You know, it's not, it's not different in Paris or in New York City or Beijing. A second is one second is one second. Not so. A second, time is a perception and time is entirely relative. If you, if you took a watch into a black hole, for example, some of you remember, what's the movie we have? Interstellar, yeah. A lot, things are a lot different. When the gravity is different, time is very different, perception is different. And you say, well maybe, David, you have not been in a black hole. You don't know that for sure. You're just, it's just a bunch of theory. Well, actually, let's bring it home uh, to the Earth. What happens when they, they took a watch, two identical watches that are both tick, 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 you know, going? And you'd think that those two watches, as long as the, the battery still works, would, they're good precise watches, tick, 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 one second. They're in sync. They're in sync, like the band, in sync. And then you take one watch and you leave it on Earth, and then the other watch you put up in a supersonic plane, and you start flying that watch around in a supersonic plane, which is different gravity than, than on the Earth. And then you, you land the plane and you put the watches side by side. Guess what? They're not in sync. Don't even have to talk about black holes. Even on Earth, they've done experiments. Time is relative. And you know, you know that for yourself. When you're having fun and you're happy and you're, you're so in your joy, you lose track of time. Time does funny things in the mind when your purpose starts to shift towards the holy instant. It, it dramatically affects your perception of time. So time is not absolute. That's what Einstein was able to show, actually. He was able to show that time, time and space are relative, which Jesus says in the Course too. Time and space are the same illusion. But Einstein said they're, they're not absolute. So, so these things that we're seeing now in this Lucy movie is starting to show how the miracle is, is under the control of the miracle worker. Time is in the hands of the miracle worker means that, that what seems to be a concrete physical, solid world is really just a perception. And as your mind shifts, and as your purpose shifts, 
then you start to see more and more of a unified perception. And that's the whole point, is to see, that's what forgiveness is, is to see a unified world. But, even in terms of the fragmented world, you will see some things that, that don't compute, that you may think, I don't know how that happened. I remember one time I was in, in Australia and I was going to, a, I was being driven by this couple that were taking me to a, an event. And the man who was driving was my friend Raj and he was like saying, he was in the front seat and he was driving and he's going, damn, damn, damn. And his wife was in the back seat talking to me. And she said, Raj, what are you so upset about? And he said, I hate being late. Um, I, I, we got a late start and there's going to be people that are there at the venue where we're doing the gathering and they're just going to be upset because they're, they're gonna, not going to be able to get in. The door is locked. And, and she said, well maybe we'll be there on time. And he said, no, I've, I've driven this hundreds of times and I know how long it takes to get there and um, we're not going to make it, we're going to be late, and he was going on and on. Meanwhile, she was in the back opening a magazine that had an article of mine on revelation and miracles and the collapse of time. So we started joining in the back seat on the article on the collapse of time. And then the funny thing was, she said, she said, Raj, it's time is relative. You, you don't know for sure that we're going to be late. He said, I know for sure we're going to be late. I've driven this a hundred times. I know this route. We, well, there's no way we can get there in time. And then we're in the back talking about the miracles and time collapse, and she's trying to calm her husband down a little bit. And then we got there five minutes early. And you should have seen the look on his face. He was just like, what the hell? You know, what the hell is going on? Is it, what's it, some kind of a time-bender thing going on? But again, time is relative. Time is, is not a, 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 an absolute thing. One second is not one second. One minute is not really one minute. It's, it's all perceptual. So just keep this in mind as you watch these next scenes with Lucy, because Luc Besson is actually Show, made this movie to, to show that the mind that serves the spirit is, is not bound by the laws of time and space. That's really what he's showing in this movie, and it's just marvelously portrayed. That's a lot there. There's just a lot. Every, every 45 seconds, you know, you could do a week-long retreat on the last 45 seconds. Everything's been codified to the human scale. Everything's been drawn down, like the body is, is pretty close to the projector, and that's why oftentimes the grievances and the guilt gets projected onto the body, because it's closer to the projector than the other aspects of time and space. But, but you, you, know, you can start to see it's the human scale and, and using numbers and using letters and using language is all an attempt by the ego to manufacture a self, a personality self, that has its own kind of language and its own kind of scale. Even when you, 
you go out, let's say, to go to up the St. Louis Arch, or you go to the top of the Eiffel Tower, or you go to the, the top of, of a very high building in some city, and you go on the roof, and you look out from the top of a roof of a very tall building. Some of you know that experience. It's quite a, a vast perception, you know. It reminds me of the Barbara Streisand song, On a Clear Day, which is really a spiritual song, but it's, it's all about rise and look around you and you'll see who you are. When, even when you go to a building, there's a whole different perception. Or remember when you're up in an airplane or a helicopter and you're looking down at all the little figures below and all the cars, or when the plane's coming in and you look at the little houses and the pools, it looks like a little like a little uh, toy, toy cars, toy houses and everything. Perspective, it, it's, these are all just kind of examples of perception and basically it's all invented by the ego but it's all part of a private world that cannot be shared. So no two people see the same world because the ego divides one mind up into seven billion private minds, seven billion different um, points of view, seven billion different perspectives, uh, and, and the, that's why the only way that you can find peace of mind is to change the purpose in the mind and see a unified world. See the world as the Holy Spirit sees the world. There's no other way to, to come to peace of mind while you're looking through the five senses and the human, the tiny personality perspective. By definition, that's differences. That's why no two people see the same two worlds. Ultimately, there's not no, there is not two people. There's, there's just one mind. There's not seven billion people. There's just one mind that has forgotten what it is, who it is, and is just perceiving a fragmented world and trying to make sense of the fragmented world, trying to adapt and adjust to a projected identity. What does Morpheus say in the, in the Matrix? The digital projection of your mental self. He calls it digital projection of your mental self. So you have a mental self that is a self-concept and then the world, the Matrix, is a digital projection of the mental self. So, as long as you keep adapting and adjusting to this world, it's insane. Uh, nobody, nobody finds peace adapting and adjusting to a world that's not really there. What do you do? You, you have to go in your mind, you have to get underneath those thoughts, because they aren't real thoughts and neither is the world that they're, they're producing. That's why meditation helps, that's why, you know, everything is about training the mind and Lucy's just playing this out. So now we're getting ready to, it's all these movies, they always have a, there always is a showdown. <laughs> but let's not think of it as a real showdown, because the light doesn't ever have a showdown with the darkness. The light simply is, and then Truth does not fight against illusions, nor do illusions fight against the truth. Illusions battle only with themselves. I, th I like to remember that when we watch these final scenes, because this seems to be 
a, uh, an, another knockdown, drag out kind of thing, but, but actually the whole point of these final scenes in Lucy is, is the transcendence. These are the Mary Baker Eddy scenes of the movie. These are, there's no mind in matter. There's no life, truth, substance, intelligence in matter. These are the scenes where Mary Baker Eddy is watching like going, yeah, you go girl. You go, girl. You show. You show. You show what I I was teaching back in the 1800s. Uh, that, that the power of the mind and the nothingness of the material world, which is really what Mary Baker Eddy was just inspired by Jesus, because he was showing the the reality of the divine mind, the reality of spirit, and the unreality of of time and space in the material world. That's what Jesus basically meant when he said. Be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. He was just basically saying, yeah, mind over matter, because mind is real and matter isn't. So, very rare we get to see this acted out in a movie. So enjoy, we'll let it run to the vastness. So, yeah, it's it really points to this idea that 100% is I am everywhere, and which is just what the, the light is. And it's, in, it's interesting to look at that, if that is what she's calling knowledge, Jesus calls it knowledge too, that um, light is knowledge, and that there's such a fear of knowledge and that Jesus is telling us in the Course, you know, why are you so certain that what you don't know is, uh, is fearful or harmful? And that's because the whole world is upside down. Everything about this world is backwards and upside down. So when you move toward the light, uh, the ego is apt to judge it as failures. And that's why Jesus says you can't judge your advances from your retreats. When you move toward the light, you're actually awakening, and the ego says you're failing. And then when you get into all the distractions that the ego projects, if you get into certain distractions like career, and accomplishment, and fame, and personal glory, and all the things that the ego calls successes, those are all uh, denying the light. And every time you think your whole world's falling apart, and you think you've really messed it up now, and, and things start to uh, re-translate and reconfigure, um, which the ego interprets as falling apart, then that's actually an advance towards integrated, unified perception. So it's, it's all backwards. So, I'm interested to know how everyone experienced that one. That, that is not your typical, <laughs> your typical Wednesday night movie. <laughs> it's like we've just been uh, given a glimpse of something pretty radical. Pretty radical. We have a, we have a hand over at the monastery. We have our new co-living group at the monastery. So I'll go ahead. It looks like Robert's there. I'll 
unmute you. And I'll just ask everyone again, just please, um, just because there's a lot of people here and, and uh, just to get right to the core, right to the point and stay in the core of what you, what you really feel is most important to share. Thank you. Go ahead, Robert. Hi, David. Hi, Robert. Hi. Um, hey, uh, great movie. I, I saw Lucy before, but like other movies I've seen before, when I see him with you, it just blows it wide open. It's just incredible. Um, you know, like you said, there's every 45 seconds you could, uh, oh, by the way, greetings from uh, the monastery. These are all the cold livers here. Uh, yeah, we got three of them. We'll get two more tomorrow. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. That's wonderful to see. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I guess my question is, you know, the way she was in the movie, like you pointed out, she's just so non-compromising and just cut all the ego bullcrap, just get right to the point. And I mean, I can understand how maybe I can, you know, become this way in this uh, container of the Living Miracles community. But for the people who are out there in the world doing their nine to five and all the stuff that the world is, how, how do they, how are they able to live like this? How are they able to be like this and not just get fired and thrown in the nut house and all this stuff? Well, it's, it's like the world is, is made out of the two uh, ego defense mechanisms, denial and projection. So, so denial is, or repression, is the attempt to push out of awareness um, that which is believed. So when, when the mind goes into denial or repression, then it, it, it's dreaming a dream world, but the world that is perceived was, was given away. So there's the unconscious mind, which Jesus calls the dream you dream in secret, and then there's the, the part that was given away, as if it's is a cause in itself. Even this movie, though, was, you know how scientists speculate about the Big Bang? Um, this movie, if you really watch those scenes at the very end closely, it actually had the, the gases that were part of the Big Bang, you know, all that were held out. They were all imploding. And then you saw the final scene was like a, the first cell like that split was actually coming back together as, a, as one cell, which is kind of a symbol of, of how the mind has to kind of come to a point of integration where it's all included, there's nothing divided. But, you know, in one sense, you know how much I talk about how the, the, the first realization that's needed in spiritual awakening, in fact, it's really the only realization that's needed is this idea that that it's a perceptual problem. You've heard me, you know, say that over and over on all these different talks. So, as soon as we look at the people, we, like you're saying, the, all the people that are doing the jobs, the workaday world, and everything, that's that's part of the the fragmented perception. And as soon as we kind of wonder or ask the question, it's really kind of like we're saying, okay, there's the screen of the world, now can you help me dissect it a little bit? 
what do these characters mean? What, what are they doing over there? And, and how does it all fit in? And it's a huge realization that everything is mind and everything is, is part of mind. But I think, as we've talked about before, on recent gatherings, like Ari was asking the question about the script is written, you got a little bit of a flavor of that when she was like stopping time, like stopping the script and then whooshing with her hand. Uh, she was like, there was some kind of, of part of mind that could literally freeze time and literally um, whoosh it, like she used her hand to kind of go through back through eras. She was actually going backwards in time, the closer she came to 100%. And what that, Jesus says that too in the Course, he says time goes backwards, not forwards. And in the Course. And so in one sense you might say she was going deeper and deeper in her mind to that. So in terms of your question though about like the, you think of people will say in the workaday world, like, like where does that fit in? How do they fit in? Do they know what's going on? Do they have a clue what's going on? The Course is giving us a bit of a clue of how the world seemed to come to be and what's underneath it, the fear that's underneath it, that's, that's making the projection. And, and the best thing I could do is like, imagine if you, if you went to a therapist and the therapist said, I'm gonna, we're gonna do dream analysis, because a lot of Freudian uh, psychotherapists did dream analysis. We're gonna look at your dreams. It's not so much to analyze the dreams, but it's more to pay attention to your emotions during the dreams and to realize there has to be a way to see the dreams differently. Like there has to be a way to, to perceive them differently so that you don't feel the fear or the anxiety or the, the, the struggle, you know, the, the depression, all the, the egoic emotions. And so if you look at, at the dream world, again, the one choice you have is your interpretation and really that's that's what this, that's what co-living's about, that's what the Course is about, that's what all these movie sessions are about. It's, it's a retranslation of the world by the Holy Spirit from a new purpose. And we can call it forgiveness, but that's, Jesus said that 2,000 years ago. He said to forgive, you know, forgive and and to judge not, and really that's the whole point of all, all this spiritual awakening is to learn to follow the guidance and to go deeper and deeper into that place of, like Lucy, to, to just be able to watch the world and see it from another perspective. So practically speaking, when you see, like sometimes you say, you see something on the news or the internet um, that's happening in the world, yeah, then, then the next thing to do is just to pay close attention to how you're feeling. Because that can start to tip you off into the healing. You know, if you're, if you're not feeling happy, or if you start to feel bothered or irritated, or maybe you feel indifferent. Uh, that's a common thing with Course in Miracles students, is they start to follow it and it's like, whoa, these metaphysics are like, are really steep. 
and seemingly very radical. And then it still comes down to how do I feel? You know, that's the most simple way, simple direct way. Like when you think of, of a holy encounter, when you meet somebody and you're just appreciating them for the first time and you're just feeling the feelings that you feel, even when these bodies come together, these little spacesuits, <laughs> the spacesuits come together, it still comes down to how are you perceiving it and how are you feeling and how are you relating to one another. Because Jesus told us to love one another and if there's something going on in our consciousness that is blocking that love, then that's really what this is about. You know, it's about finding out what that is and letting it go. So I would keep it, you know, otherwise it can get too overwhelming, but I, I think um, just to be, to be there in co-living and to be very present with, with your feelings and, and just allow yourself to get deeper in touch with what's going on in your mind is that's really the purpose of, of co-living and that's the purpose of these movies. And everyone sees them differently. I, my, my friend Helena Hunison, she went into a mystical experience after this movie. But you might say it didn't have anything to do with the movie per se, it was just the mind's, the mind's readiness is, is really, is always a key. And, and you have to, you have to keep working within that parameter. You, you know, if, if, if it seems, if the way seems long or the way seems difficult, then it's like, hmm, okay, well maybe I'm just experiencing what I'm ready to experience. Whatever I'm perceiving, and that must be right where my readiness is. And I'm not going to judge myself for that. You know, I'm going to use it, and I'm going to appreciate it, and I'm going to feel grateful for that, but I'm not going to try to put it on a timeline and, and judge myself for that. Hmm. Thank you. Maybe the chemist studio could even possibly, while we're doing some of these uh, interactions, maybe you could go to that final song in the studio and so we all could, oh it's so delicious, I, I almost can't can't stand to see the whole movie without hearing the song at the end, you know. But um, maybe we could try to cue that up and we'll just go with our interactions, but we could use that as a meditation, a Lucy meditation. <laughs> okay, yeah, we're going to line that up here. I know it was the next song, I think, after the one we were listening to there, so I'll have Zach yeah. pull that up. But uh, let's see, I'll go to Julie now. Uh, Julie, if you're ready, I'll go ahead and you can unmute yourself. I just clicked the button, but there sure. you go. Sure. Hi. <laughs> wow, what a movie. It, yeah. What a ride. And what a, what a, I mean, in mind, like it's, and, and uh, this time, I've seen it uh, a couple of times with you. And this time, um, it, it was such a perfect timing for me because I, uh, 
I feel like uh, something is unfolding in my life at such a, a fast pace um, right now since maybe a few months ago. But and uh, today was the um, was uh, the first day that I'm uh, homeless. <laughs> Um, I have my car, my things are in storage. Um, I eliminated a bunch of things in the past two weeks. I sold, I gave, I threw out, I, I threw out, I, and, and now I'm, I'm on the road. But I am invited to people that I don't even know, um, um, but, but suggested by friends. You know, this lady is 84. She, 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 she has a huge house on the lake. It's beautiful. She's by herself and she would like company. And I arrive here and I'm welcome, like, as if she knew me forever. So I, I have no idea. I, I feel that I'm being guided. I feel the guidance. I feel blessed. Um, I still have the debts, <laughs> but somehow as soon, and that's about two and a half, uh, two and a half months ago, I woke up in the middle of the night and after talking to you a few times in the previous, um, online retreats, I exposed like this monster that I, I, I think is going to is gonna um, uh, make me um, stuck in ego, which is the financial situation. And I, I, I was thinking, like God must think, <laughs> no, it's a desperate case. You know, nothing to do with her. She's too much in debt. <laughs> <laughs> and I was having those thoughts. And um, and after talking to you and realizing that, oh, he still talked to me. <laughs> He's still talking to me, and he and you didn't seem like it was bothering anything. You know, um, we're gonna pray together. Ask Jesus that, you know, give it to Jesus, give it to Holy Spirit. And I was like, okay, really? Okay, I'm gonna do that. And one day I woke up in the middle of the night. I sat down, and I was living in a in a, in a home with a, a roommate and felt really, really, really trapped, um, but didn't know what to do. Um, scared like crazy and woke up in the middle of the night. And what I heard was go, go to the Island. And I was like to the Island. I know nobody on the island. <laughs> Why would I go to the island, Vancouver Island? And um, but I um, a few days after, I was talking to my son and dared to open up, to say, "Here, where, what I feel, here, what I, you know, I'm, I'm scared." Like I'm, I'm, I feel trapped, blah, 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 and money situation, blah, blah, blah. And then 
and it took about two days. Um, I was, uh, he talked to his wife, his wife talked to his, his, his uh, her sister. The sister called me and said, you just need to get out of there. And she didn't know me, like she doesn't know me. Just come, come and visit. And so I accepted and I went there for a month. And as soon as I, as I step out of the place I was for, for six months, I felt free. I felt something like opened up instantaneously. There is so many miracles right now in my life, David. Like it, 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 I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I can't believe it. And uh, it's beautiful. So um, I, yeah, after that, I stayed there for a month. After that, I just came back, emptied the place and sold and give and now i'm with my car my my luggage and <laughs> and i feel i feel free i feel good and it, it, it's uh, it's unfolding i feel taken care of but i i'm clueless like you say you know clueless uh, no what is it uh, carefree cared for uh uh what is it yeah you got it <laughs> You got it. You got them all. Clueless, carefree, cared for. Yes. <laughs> yes. So thank you. Thank you. I feel such a connection with, with you all. It's just unbelievable. And oh, before I forget, because you, you said at, at, at some point in the movie, you said, uh, if you go see a doctor, you know, when you're in, in a in a spiritual experience or, or if you have some kind of expansion or something or darkness even, because that's what I did. At first I did go to the two doctors to a few of them, psychologists, psychiatrists. They wanted to give me medication. And I said, I, I prayed on it. Yes. And it was just no, no go there. So I, I just, I just stayed with the darkness or the whatever what was happening. Everything crumbled in my life since the fire that you know. And um, lost relationship, lost everything. Anyways, <laughs> but I'm happy now. <laughs> so if it happens in your life, just, just trust. Just trust because this, it's, it's unbelievable what's, what's happening. So, yeah, so I didn't go for the medication. I went for the guidance and this is the most, um, I don't, I don't have words. Yeah. It's thank you. That's the uh -oh. word I have. Thank you uh -oh. so much, David. And Julie, we love you so much. You know, we're down here. We just, we're down here in Quantico. And I remember when you came down here to Quantico and you were right out behind me where we, had our, our gatherings and everything, but um, it's so beautiful to hear about your miracles, to hear that you're feeling opening, free, and um, maybe you'll be, we had a, a friend that we met down in um, Brazil called Renata, who did like you, she left, left her country behind down there in Brazil, and she left her acting behind, she, she left her boyfriend behind, she left everything behind and went to, first to Rome, 
and got, got to see the Pope and had nuns chauffeuring her around and huge miracles. Then the, the plague, the coronavirus, hit there and then she flew to Paris and then she came to our center and she was our first um, scholarship at, at our center over there in Mallorca. She came, used her last uh, 20 euros or 20 or 40 euros to buy a fly, one-way flight from Paris down there. So yeah, it's kind of exciting, you know, with even with our co-living centers and, and everything. Maybe you will be gracing us with your beautiful presence and your love and your light and and we just feel you and yeah, we love you so dearly and and I remember when you came down right to this house. I think that's when I first met you, was right in this very house that we're in right now, Quantico. So, it's beautiful. We're just, we're there with you and we're loving everything you're sharing and, and the whole journey of trust. Because there's nothing greater than trust. When you put your faith in and you're carried like that and you go from feeling trapped and stuck to you feel the opening, you feel the movement of the healing, then that's that's everything right there. But I do hope you'll come and come to one of our centers and yeah, that would be just a joy to have you. Thank you. Wow. Such faith and trust. Okay, well we've got the song queued up if you want to hear that next. We also have two hands. Yeah, the song will go good with, with what Julie just shared. Okay, here we go. Live a life on my knees. You think I am nothing. I am nothing. You got something coming. Something coming. Lives we chose. Savior. Yeah. Savior. 
show you brave. Yeah. Those are fade. Yeah. On a mission. Led by intuition. You should listen. Because. Thank you, Zach. Thank you, Eric. I think it's called God's Whisper or something is the song. Yeah, that's amazing. Okay, Eric, we'll see if we have some more comments. We do. And I'll go to Esther first. Go Go ahead, Esther. Thanks so much. I um I was I was having struggles with the lawyer and with my stepmom. Um I told her something that I thought was guided and Alan said that guidance comes I mean that um you 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 say and do what you're thinking and that I asked her for her blessing um for me to trade my mother's money. And she's totally opposed to it, but I asked her for her blessing. And then she realized that she can't be the trustee of my mom's will because there would be a conflict of her wanting to be in a relationship with me and then also being in control of the money. So, um, but, but what I did was I, I listened to the level confusion um, retreat and I realized that all the um, feelings and um, grievances were coming from level confusion. And you gave such a beautiful formula in that workshop that I had Alan listen to it to help me get and be able to apply it. And um, so he listened to it and he's helping me see that um, like the fears that were coming up, like who, who, who were they for? Like who, who's thinking these thoughts? And, um, I, 
I'm working with the grievances really. Oh, and a really cool thing happened. Let me interrupt this for a second and tell you this. <laughs> I bought Carol Howe's book, um, Never Forget to Laugh, because you told me to read about his life, Bill Theffer's life. So yeah. I took you up on that. And I bought two copies. And this is the second time that I've bought enlightened books like yours, This Moment is Your Miracle, and her book in double and only got one copy. Someone opened it and took the copy. And I said, well, this is, what's this for? And I got a chance to actually speak with Carol Howe. And I shared with her your projects. And I was just so grateful to be able to speak with her. And she gave me the copy without any charge. Um, because she felt, she felt that she just wanted to donate that book to whomever it was that, that needed it. But back to the grievances. Um, so, <laughs> we interrupt this grievance story to have a miracle. And now, back to our sponsor, the, the ego sponsor, the <laughs> So, uh, I'm just working with trusting, like, just just to trust more and to, um to just see who is it that's that's having these 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 grievances and and what's you know what's it for and if it is level confusion to see that it is because these i get mesmerized like like it seems still to me that these are issues that what they seem they are and um so I really need to bombard myself with the content that you offer uh, so much. And then, so it's, I'm just so grateful for you. Thank you, Esther. It's like that, that um, I had a, a student back in the 1990s who decided he was going to go through my uh, talk on reversing cause and effect. And I think he's, he had to listen to the whole thing nine times before he... He started, and the ninth time he said, I think I'm getting it. I'm going to listen a few more times now. And then he transcribed the whole thing, and then he, he started to grasp it. But it had a lot to do with level confusion, because really only the mind is causative, but, but all these beliefs that, that the, the mind can miscreate in the body or the world, uh, which is one source of guilt, that's not true, but it's a belief. And then the other one is that the belief that your body or uh, your person could miscreate in the mind somehow, could mess things up in, in the mind, um, which a lot of times people believe. They've done things or they, they've had crazy actions and behaviors that have messed their mind up. That's, that's an example of, of the belief uh, that, that what you've done as Esther or in the body can, can cause a miscreation in the mind. And, and then right-mindedness is just brings us back to that thing like, no, God creates in spirit and, and there, there has been no successful attempt at miscreation. You know, it, 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 the, the guilt would be real if mis, mis, miscreation was possible. But it's, it's very deep, but I'm so glad you're, you're taking this and applying these things in your day-to-day -day life, like with, with the lawyer, and with your mom, and with Alan, because as you start, that's really what you're praying for, is you're praying to see, see it all in a new way, you know, and realize that, 
that you're innocent. Um, that's the ultimate thing, is just coming back to that. And it's just cool to just even think of that, to think, oh, I, I love the idea or, or of perceiving myself uh, in an innocent way. And we see it in your eyes, you know, and even you're telling us the miracle story in the middle of the grievances. We're, it's just delightful, you know. We're, it's like we are laughing, our, we are remembering to laugh <laughs> as we go, go home on this journey. So thank you. Go ahead, yeah. So, is it true, like, like I, I really felt guided to tell my stepmom what I was doing for my mom, or wanting to do with the money, and she got so upset, and she felt, but I felt like if I didn't find out how she felt, I never, it would have been too late, it would have been that she had control over the money, and then there was a rift. Is that how it works? I, I, I don't know. I, I really felt guided. And, and what happens with me is she made a recommendation to use a, a, an organization, a nonprofit, to, to run the money when my mom passes. And it's not practical. But, um, but my first instinct was to like tell Alan's parents what she wanted me to do and reach out that way. And I, Alan was saying that I'm coming out of uncomfortability trying to offload it and project it but that's that's how I've operated in the past and it seems to work for me that and I just don't know if that's if there's another way if, if is there another way when you're feeling the um unsure I don't know what it is it's just like not not knowing and wanting to reach out that's that's how I I don't know you know what I'm trying no. to say yeah, yeah. I think, I think there there is a helpfulness to getting in touch with with private thoughts, and and coming to a place where you can uncover them and disclose them, because that's how the whole riddle or the trick of the ego is is undone, and ultimately to be able to speak what you're feeling and also to then let the chips fall where they may. You know, to me. That's how, how the healing occurs. You know, if we bottle emotions up, if we just do the, I should not do this, I should not do that, you know, how the mind can work, where things just get bottled up, um, it, it, it kind of seals the mind away from the light whenever we bottle things up. So, you know, really that's our, that's what's underneath the disclosure of no private thoughts and no people pleasing is, is the willingness to not hide and not protect things. And then the healing just occurs automatically as we do that. So you're on the right track. You know, you shouldn't second guess yourself. If you have an old pattern where you would hide things and, and have kind of a motive underneath the surface, that's the part in, in relationships that just makes things more complicated. It doesn't, it doesn't allow the light, light in when we do that. So, so thank you. Thank you for doing that, practicing that. Okay, thank you Esther. And next I'll go to Matt. Go ahead Matt, you can unmute yourself. Hi there, hi everybody. Hi, David. It's Matt. Hi, Matt. 
I came down a couple of years ago to Mexico and visited you. Um, and we watched a Philip K. Dick movie then that was really good or an electric dream. And, um, I really had not heard of Lucy before till tonight. And I kept on thinking about how in some of your talks, you mentioned magnitude. And I was like, I think this is what he's talking about with magnitude. Cause she's like sailing through the universe here. She doesn't, she doesn't think herself to be some, some primate. Uh, like that, like she's t- touching fingers with the primate, like, yes, I have a connection back to you, but neither me or you are real. I just, there was a lot going on there, a lot to think about. I think I'll be digesting that for a few days, but powerful, powerful movie and really glad that uh, this is my first uh, online movie experience that you showed that one. Um, even the lyrics there that uh, Eric shared were really powerful. I don't know if everybody saw that in the chat session. Um, I will not live my life on my knees and all these just powerful stuff going on there. I wanted to ask a question around, uh, I guess, I don't know if you remember my my situation, but I've been traveling the world for on and off for the last four years. Um, gone to got a bunch of countries, I think like 12 or 15 countries with my wife and kids. And we get in a different city every month. And I have the luxury of working for myself. And uh, we felt kind of the desire to get rid of uh, our cars and we don't own a home and we just, you know, rent um, houses um, each month in a different city. And we've can really, I don't know if we've been kind of perseverating on the thought that like we need to go someplace that's just the right fit, but we've been trying to find a place that would allow us to maximize and optimize our ability to really get into uh, you know, working more deeply in integrating course principles. And um, my wife and I, who's also a course student, we, you know, we ask every day, we pray every day, and we ask. Sometimes we feel like we get really strong guidance, uh, and then like a door closes, and we don't know what that means, but we continue to pray and get guidance. Sometimes the guidance is strong. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it's clear. And we're just trying to understand how to move the best foot forward since we have every option in the world where to live. Um, how do you, how do you go about when you have like these huge openings where you can really do whatever you want, but you want to do what's guided? How do you tune, tune out of the static and tune into the guidance for something that is both practical and optimal for, you know, healing, I guess, or choosing a geography that would be optimal for um, forgiveness, I guess, is what my, my question is. Yeah, that's a good one, Matt. It, it seems like we're, it's perfect, too, because we're starting, uh, we're doing our weekend retreat on guidance. That's literally the, the topic that we're going to be exploring. But for me, it was, I did a little, tiny little booklet years ago called Purpose is the Only Choice, and it's like um, the, the temptation is to kind of look to the form and look for optimal settings or situations, and, and sometimes that's part of the prayer, because, you know, when you pray together and you, I remember you wrote to me about your, your, your son and your daughter, and, and looking at things like stability for them during the high school years, and you really look at all the factors. That's, that, to me, is helpful with prayer, when you 
kind of lay everything on the table and you say to your son, what do you feel? You know, what's important to you and your daughter and so on. And, but ultimately, I think the power of prayer is really unleashed ultimately when we can start to pray for a, a feeling or a state of mind and um, put our attention toward that and couple with that the idea that, that we really don't know our best interests. You know, Jesus says that in the early part of the, the workbook lessons. He said, in no situation do you perceive your own best interests. And so that's, when you couple that with the prayer of the heart, like what are the feelings we want to experience? What are the qualities we'd like to experience? What are the, what are the characteristics that feel the most healing and whole? And, and you start to really talk about those things and share those things, what's important. Maybe with, with your whole family, you know, they have a little round table discussion uh, about those kind of things. Like what, what experiences and feelings uh, are we really wanting? You know, would we really want to put on the altar? And then, then a lot of times um, the, through the prayer, uh, it's, you start to get bits and pieces of the jigsaw puzzle. Like I know you're very close there with the Foundation for Inner Peace and, and Judy, and I remember having all these dinners with her and I would say, yeah, how, how did the original four pray? You know, how did you pray? Um, and, and she said, well, we've been praying all along. The whole foundation is based on the prayer. We don't have a business plan. We, we pray with every decision. We really believe in, in receiving answers and, and we put it into practice over and over. But I know for my, our community, you know, that's, we just had a prayer meeting before this movie tonight. We, we came together at 3 o'clock and we had all kinds of things for like a couple hours of pouring through us of what's coming next for all of us. And just tapping into, how's it feel? Marino's like, yeah, we have, we're starting like a, we're reconfiguring our Spanish ministry in, in a very robust, of huge way, and so we got into the joy of that, like of of where that would go. But I think that's the way I would go about it: is um, is just to have like a family, like we had a, a community prayer meeting, but a, a family prayer meeting where you know everybody's invited to to really share what's on their heart. And starting off with the feelings and the experiences that they want, because that's really where the prayer starts at that that level. And then the you you might think of the prayer as that uh, that's the song, and that the specifics that will come to you are the echoes. So Jesus says in the song of prayer, He said, "Don't pray for the echoes. <laughs> pray, focus on the song, and then welcome the echoes." of the song. So I think that's, that feels like it would be the most helpful. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Good to see you again. I, yeah, Chapala, that's where we saw Matt last, down here in Mexico. Julie, down here, Matt. <laughs> it's beautiful. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Matt. 
And I saw, oh, I saw Ellie, you had your hand up. You don't have a question anymore? I see you smiling. I'll unmute you, see if you. Okay. (laughs) Hi, David. Hi there. Hi. So happy to see you. Well, I I was praying yesterday for help that uh, well, I started to uh, host a gathering and started to speak and we watched like uh, we watched Nosedive yesterday and I was talking how how people pleasing and uh, getting something outside of us it's just an egoic game. And yeah, I've been like continuing like facilitate expression session and start gathering. And I have this fear. I experience a fear of speaking and making mistakes. And maybe like I say something wrong and like people started to believe that then just, it's just a disaster. So I'm very much in fear, and I also pray, and I will say things that what's given me. But I still have like holding. I'm I still hold back because I fear that if I say this, it might hurt hurt the other person. And uh, because of this fear, I have I have a I have a lots of reflection coming back at me as well if I speak, and I still still willing to be used by Jesus, so I will speak up anyway. And I will have thoughts of reflections, of doubt thoughts, of my doubt thoughts. So I was like praying yesterday. I don't know if, I, if I'm even guided to do this, you know. It's like I'm in fear. I'm not experiencing pure joy. I do, I do experience joy, but seeming like the fear is like more dominant in some way and some some period of time so i was praying yesterday for help and the guidance and i watched lucy today and i just realized how much compromise in my mind and people pleasing is there so i'm just so afraid to speak up i'm afraid to say things and deliver a message that might might be it's most of the most of the time, it's like, no, no, you know, it's not, there's no value in this world kind of thing. So people react. I think that people will react to it. So it will just reflect it back at me. And I'm just, I understand I'm just seeing the, what's in my mind. And just made it very, very clear. It was this movie that you said, how the Lucy is a point, Lucy is a pointer. And I realized, okay, I'm so much, because I feel this pain, it's because I'm compromising. I'm still holding back. I'm still afraid of losing, making mistakes. And I'm also afraid to share miracles, like talk about miracles, or write up loud about some profound realization that I have been given, because I'm afraid to say it or like write it because to communicate it, because I'm, 
I'm afraid of making a mistake. And this kind of like miracle talking could be a threat to other people. Like they might feel, I don't, I don't know, uh, feel bad about it or anything. Or like, you know, like I'm crazy or like making mistakes, making things up. But all those fears just flashing up right now. And yeah, I'm so want to be like Lucy, so uncompromising and so clear and direct communication, direct communication without fear and not like connecting with the littleness that I'm, I'm like facing yeah, many times. Yeah, beautiful. Well, thank you. Actually, um, what's coming to mind is that um, I remember with like Jesus working with Helen Shuckman, because Helen Schuckman was uh, was a, a psychologist, and and oftentimes she did see clients, and um, she was quite interested in being helpful for the clients. And one time, Jesus told her, he said, "Well, here's the key: when you're working with clients." Never go for the jugular, like never go for the jugular vein, because meaning don't go for that which you're most afraid of, because you can, you can feel a sense of failure, uh, and, and there is a, a fear, like you're saying, a fear of, of really upsetting people. Uh, that's, that's part of the people-pleasing, is the fear of upsetting people. Even at the beginning, Lucy is trying to do a little bit of bargaining with her uh, boyfriend about, but she's trying to basically say, you do it. And he kind of puts the, the handcuff on, handcuffs her to the briefcase. But Jesus said, don't go for the jugular, don't go for the major defense mechanism. Always go work with your minor uh, defense mechanisms first. Um, because then you start to build a little confidence. So for yourself, if, if it brings up too much fear, um, trying to be in that kind of a role uh, with people, it's best not to try to push ahead, uh, to like push yourself through it, because um, it, can, it can backfire pretty easily and the ego will go, ah, see, I told you. You know, it's, it, it turns into a something that holds you back instead of builds your confidence. But to give you a good example of how miraculous it can be, oftentimes when when people say they have people-pleasing, it's best to watch a movie like Lucy to start to get inspired, because that helps you start to build confidence there. And also, um, last night, uh, was, I think it was last night, Svava and I were going to, we were going to watch this movie called Dance of Reality, and it was pretty wild. You know, we didn't have it on very long, and then I had talked to Jason, and he said, no, there's a new, there's a new series that we discovered, and it's free, and it's on YouTube. And so it's called um, Being Erica. And actually, we went to see this Being Erica, and we just watched the first episode, but it's so good. Uh, it's, there's a, I think there's a couple, two or three seasons, but it's a totally, it's an unwinding from people-pleasing. The whole series is, is about that. And, and just like you watch Nosedive, and this series being Erica, 
Sometimes it's easier to see it acted out with another character than to, to try to go through it with, with the, the Eddie character, the, your character, because there's, it's too wound in, it's too, it's too much associations, too many um, memory associations with it, so it's too frightening. But I, that's what I would say, I, I think maybe you could benefit from watching this, this uh, series on YouTube called Being Erica, because she has a, this uh, kind of um, Dr. Angel, he's, an, he's like a doctor, a, psych, a psychiatric or a, a, a psychologist and an angel in combination, and already we can tell that he will use the past to help her see it differently. You know, he will help, he will show her, he is showing her through many different angles and ways that she puts too much um, faith and belief in what other people think. Which, which is kind of like the whole, that's the problem of, of the world. If you weren't so concerned about what other people think, you would be talking like Lucy. <laughs> you would be going, <laughs> you'd be so direct and confident, uh, you, would, you would go through it. But while it seems to be other people's thoughts and, and perceptions seem to be that important, then, then you can see the spirit has to find a way to turn it around. That works for you, you know, that's not too, uh, too threatening. So that's what I would do, is just be open to anything on MWGE or anything that, that we recommend that deals with people pleasing. Keep your eyes open for that, and maybe this, this new series that we just uh, stumbled upon, Being, being Erica? Yeah, Being Erica. Um, I have a feeling that, they, they said, Jason said, oh, season two is even better. Like it's getting, they're hooked and they're going deeper, deeper into this uh, undoing people pleasing. So that's what I would recommend. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, we've got I think five or six hands left. You, how are you feeling, David? Yeah, I'm pretty pretty good. How's everyone here? Yeah, we're all shaking our heads here. Good. <laughs> In a positive way, a nodding way. Vertical. Vertical. We're vertical. Well, I see Diana there in Camas at the co-living community in Camas. You can unmute yourself, Diana. You're all set. There you go. All right. Thank you so much. Um, hi, David. Hi, I Diana. Hi. It's so nice to talk to you finally. And I wanted to express how grateful I am to uh, be part of this situation. It's amazing. It's wonderful. Um, I'm doing a lot of healing here. But something I wanted to share with you that really uh, stirred up a lot of emotion for me while I was watching this movie, it was the different drug scenes in the movie. And I'm in recovery. I'm in a 12-step program <clears throat> for drugs and alcohol. And, you know, I've just recently started to realize how much I repressed uncomfortable emotions um, now that I don't drink and use drugs. 
uh, I mean, I still, if something's uncomfortable, it's like that, that just that reactive egoic tendency not to want to look at it and repress it. Right. And I'm seeing that. And so when, um, when those emotions were coming up, when I was getting really anxious and saw all the dangerous situations that she put herself in and I had done the same thing, uh, it made me think about my, um, I'm actually still married to a person that I haven't seen in like almost six years. But, um, yeah, I have not been able to make amends to him, which is part of the, the step work that you do in a, in a 12 step program. And, and I suspect he's in prison and I wanted to write a, well, one of the things I was supposed to do, which it was between me and my sponsor, along with a lot of prayer is write a letter to him. And I haven't done that yet. And, uh, you know, when all of this stuff was coming up in this movie, I thought, okay, Diana, because I couldn't even think about the I am everything, right? Because I still have this grievance of, of this unresolved work that I haven't done yet. And it wasn't time. It wasn't time until, and my mouth is so dry. And I want to say it's for medicine I take, but I know there's nothing causative out here. It's my own mind that's creating my dry mouth. Okay, there we go. But, um, you know, I know, I know that, uh, you know, it's time. It's time that I write the letter. And when I write the letter, that free, you know, that lifts the, the, the grievance and that frees up uh, my mind and, and allows healing to happen. Um, and, and the I am everything just becomes more and more clear, just like it did for this character in the movie, uh, for Lucy. You know, when it went from 20% to 30% to 40%, you can see where she just, she became more and more quantum. And she could, and she was experiencing the quantum. And I have that happen often. Um, but I just see the importance of, you know, not repressing because we know what happens after that you project, but to, to allow the healing to look at it, look at what's uncomfortable. And that's why these movies I feel are so important. And David, I'm just so grateful. Mm, beautiful. I don't care how awkward it was to get up here and talk this time. I feel real, uh, like just a lot's go- seemingly a lot's going on and, um, you know, I'm tired, but I wanted to express that to you. Yeah. Well, thank you. It it actually is reminding again of that that episode I saw last night of uh, being Erica because she, yeah she, her angel doctor had her just write out all these situations and memories in her life where she had a hurt or a grievance or something had gone wrong, and then um, after she does that, uh, one of them was in high school where she had too much to drink and she seemed to be out of control and then she perceived people told her that they, she ruined the, the, the whole uh, graduation uh, or the whole dance that she was at and this and that and then this angel doctor took her back to those high school days she went through it and she even though she swore she wouldn't drink and she wouldn't make the same mistakes she found herself drawn from these deep patterns into going through, still it's spinning out of control. And sometimes we, we can learn from, from watching 
through others. Like like you say, just watching this movie Lucy, there was it was triggering things. Probably you were remembering different situations where you you had taken some drugs or had too much to drink or something like this and and um, that's pretty much the journey of going through some very uncomfortable feelings but in a context of safety with mighty companions to to bring things up and to feel there's a safe context for that because it's it's you're right it is kind of it's quantum where where Lucy started seeing, seeing things from a holistic perspective, as the more her mind was free, she was really including everything in. And the ego doesn't like that at all. It wants to keep it all hidden away and compartmentalized. So, yeah, just you being there at co-living and, and going through the process and, and praying, and I do feel that could be a very helpful letter, just even if you put it down and you see what emotions come up in you uh, before you look at sending it or, or finding where he's located or any of those specifics, it, it, can, it can seem to be almost like a journal entry when you put this, put this down. I think there'll be a lot of healing that will come from that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful. Okay, I'll go to Susan. Susan Jameson, go ahead. Okay, hi. Hi, Susan. Hello, there you are, there you are. <laughs> I just wanted to come on for a moment. I don't have to go on long. I just, I just have to tell you how much I love you and how much I love everyone there and how grateful I am. You know, I just, I feel the guidance to be with you. I'm just so grateful to have this opportunity to join with you and to do these movies, to do the retreats. Um, this was a great movie for me tonight. There are a lot of things seeming to maximize. Um, so only God knows. And I'm feeling, you know, Jesus whispering or saying, I've overcome the world. I mean, that's what I've been waking up with, and that's been leading my day. So it's like I'm listening to his music and sometimes forgetting to hold the wheel because I'm, I'm so excited. So I just have to come on and tell you that I was, I was also reminded in this movie, um, right before meeting you, I had a, like a new mighty companion that I worked with for a little while in Poundel, Vermont. I was guided to her. Her name is Carla, and I think she worked with... Um, Ken Wapnick for, for years. She must be in her 70s. And here we are in very rural Vermont, and we'd all come in and sit down, and it would be kind of very quiet. And she would come in the room all dressed up, like we were on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. And she'd sit down, and she'd bring out her flashlight. The lights would go off, and she'd turn on the light, and she'd show the... She'd say, there is the universe that it's all a projection and that we're home. And I said, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's what this movie was saying. There is the universe. You know, it's all a projection of the ego. We're seeing it again with the eyes. Well, we're given the opportunity through not knowing and being very humble, you know, to ask to see with the vision of Christ, to see it. 
and wow, what a film. <laughs> you know, what a film. Yeah. So I'm very excited. I feel like I could jump out of my skin here and join you. But, you know, things are maximizing around here. So, you know, we'll see what happens. <laughs> we'll see what happens. I just want to mention, too, you know, I just want to keep exposing quickly various chapters of my life. And I'm sure there are others here. I've worked with seemingly because they're part of that universe. That's a projection. None of it was real. And yeah, they're friends for eons. May they be Pleiadians. You know, I've seen some of those kind of telepathic (laughs) things, multidimensional beings. None of it matters. It's all much ado about nothing. I love you guys, but still. (laughs) You know, I mean, so I have a lot of stories I haven't shared because I've been one of those who's like, you know, I tell the little groups I'm with, but boy, nobody else wants to know. You know, Mm. and yet I've always presented like a normal person in some ways, having done this. But anyway, I love you. I'm so great. Thank you for doing what you've been doing, you know, for all of these, whatever, (laughs) for infinity. Just that. Just thank you. I love you. Uh, Thank you, Susan. Yeah, you're just a a vehicle for the spirit because every time you had your flashlight up and it totally went to blazing light on the screen was when you'd say, wow, or home, or whole. It would just go totally to to total light. That's all we saw. So you're you're being used by the spirit. (laughs) And you're you're just so loved and so dear. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Okay, I'll go to Andy next. Andy Page, go ahead. Thanks, David. My mind lit up during the movie. It kind of just, um, yeah, it was, I I can't, I'm seeing her. I'll say hi. Hi, Andy. (laughs) There you go. I'll get on here. Yeah, it just kind of, it was nice. It was just, it just kind of like lit up um, during the movie. And right now I'm kind of um, in these roles. It's kind of like a similar situation to um, when I wrote to you like years ago. I'm kind of like in these family um, roles right now. Um, and that was a beautiful experience during the movie. Um, and yeah, in terms of inspiration, it's like there's that list that, you know, I wrote down from the plane ride, um, back. Um, and what the, yeah, that's in, that's in mind. Um, and Yeah, I guess that's kind of just where I'm at right now, like a little bit in like the family roles. Um, And connecting with um, Jason. um, Yeah. 
Yeah, I remember that list. Is that did you write that list when we were flying back from Playa del Carmen, or is that the list that you wrote when you were going to uh, Maryland? That was from Playa. From Playa, yeah. I remember it, it was so, so deep for you. Yeah, that list. So that's good. That could be something like, like we were. I was just talking about with Matt about. You know, you can look at the list, because the list has got all these helpful things that could be a blessing to the whole sonship, and then, but when you look at the list, kind of go inside more to an experience in your mind, or a feeling that you really are drawn to, and, and more focus, focus it on that, focus your prayer on that. Because really that's how it works, you know, we, we focus on the prayer of our heart, of an experience that we want, and then the world seems to be a bringer. It's what we believe uh, will bring us that. So the Spirit can use the things on that list, but, but mostly if you can focus on the experience in your prayers, that's the most important thing I think right now. Yeah, that'll be very helpful, like with Matt and the family meeting, the family prayer meeting. <laughs> it's the same, you can, you can do that. And, and also thank you to your mother, because I think recently, I remember we were talking, we did a, Francis and I did a, a take me home thing, but, but she's, is she um, translating the take me home uh, movie into Farsi? Um, Subtitles? Is that what's happening? Yeah, amazing. Absolutely amazing. I just am always blown away <laughs> by the, all the miracles that happen. So that's part of those family roles right there. It's Jesus is, is using that too. <laughs> collaboration. Ah, so yeah. So you can speak it and your mother can write it and you have to have to combine for that one. That's cool. That's cool. We love you, Andy. We love you. Thank you. <laughs> okay, I'm going to unmute Stephen next. Go ahead, Stephen. All right. Can you hear me? Yes, you can hear me. Yes. Hi, Stephen. I have heard. Um, boy, <laughs> if we could just sing that song all night long, that's where the joining is, and you feel it in those lyrics. You know, I, you've got something. You've got something coming. Something coming because I hear God's whisper calling my name. It's in the wind. I am the Savior. Sing it again. It's like yes, yeah, sing it again. And I had a, a fun exchange today with a, a, a colleague of mine, and he was asking some information and asking how things were going. And I sent him a picture of Ringling Brothers, Barman Bailey Circus, and I said speaks for itself. That's kind of what's going on. It's the circus out there. And, and, and a while back we had lunch and uh, I gave him a little magnet that, that said um, bark less, swag more. And, and we were joking about that and he was reminding me of that. And I said, oh yeah, if it gets tough, just sing row, row your boat. And if that doesn't work for you, just sing jingle bells and we'll, we'll do this laughing all the way. And then and if that doesn't work for you, I said, think of the karate kid and, and mask on, mask off. And he was just, he said, the COVID's not going to kill me, but you are with your bad puns. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> 
So anyway, I, I just wanted to say, uh, ditto Susan Jameson. And when I think of Susan Jameson, it makes me want to drink Irish whiskey. I'm not sure what the connection is, but I'm going to go find that out. But thank you for that. It's a big ditto of being able to join you here. And she mentioned um, uh, multidimensional beings or other dimensional beings. And I wanted to show this picture. I don't know if you can see this, if that comes through or not. It doesn't look like it wants to just because of a screen on screen, but it's a little girl. Maybe if I pull it back. But it's my granddaughter, and it is a little two-year-old, and her name is Lucy. And I, when I think, <laughs> I, I, I love that this, this, she's just an adventurous, climbs everything, jumps around, fearless little girl. And so I think of the Lucy movie, and then this, uh, you know, and Lucy being light, just, uh, you know, there's the innocence, there's the reflection back for me. But David, what, what a gem that hit me in this movie, what, it, it just was a rush of emotion, and it was connecting with um, Lucy's emotion when she was talking to her mom. And she was like at 20%, somewhere in there, and, and she was talking about, I feel everything. And boy, it just was resonating with me. And David, I know you've talked a lot about going through that period of time of the undoing, and you're just, everything's just coming up, flushing up the emotions and everything, kind of is beautiful, and then you know, all, all of it, just feeling everything. And I've been going through that for myself more and more of just feeling everything and allowing, letting the feelings up, not trying to repress them in some kind of a, a, a false healed healer kind of a way, some uh, I know mine kind of a way, but let them come up and just point to it. But when she was talking about that, I really resonated that with that. And she said something and I wrote it down. I love what, how she said it. She said, I want to thank you for the thousand kisses, I can still feel on my face. Boy, and I thought that was, that's gorgeous. And I thought, I was talking to my sister last night, and it was the, my, my dad's birthday. My dad passed away a few years ago. And I told my sister, I said, she goes, oh, are you having a sad day? I said, no, because I was having a moment where I wanted to share with her that, that I was just thinking about, uh, my dad and as a symbol in my mind and how the Holy Spirit was just bringing all the love forward and, and recognizing that uh, holding all the memories and bringing everything that was lovely then bringing it right here now saying this is this is the truth and I was wanting to share that with her of just that's how it works and then she says oh are you having another one of your Holy Spirit moments <laughs> I, said, <laughs> I said yeah basically that's it Pam I wanted to share with you that Here's this beautiful idea we have of our dad and our father, but it's really just the, the, the presence in our mind of that symbol of love being brought forward right here, right now, a thousand kisses on our face. And I just felt that when she was saying that and how true that is, that when I'm, I'm present and I'm allowing the, 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 the emotions up and, and, can make, and allowing the connections to be made, I, I feel it, and there's a, a song by a, a trumpet player called Chris Bodie and, uh, called A Thousand Kisses Deep, and I just love that title because that's that, that's that big, squeezy, warm hug of A Thousand Kisses Deep or the, the, the Youth of a Thousand Summers or however you want to say it, but I love when she was saying that, and the point for me there was she was talking about um, everything else being an, an obstacle, and, and I keyed on that, thinking, there's your obstacles to peace. And, you know, what are those obstacles? Where? The desire to get rid of it. You know, it's the unconscious desire to get rid of it. It's the belief that the body has something of value to offer. 
the special relationship trap, you know, and then just the um, attraction to death, the, the, the attraction to the dream of time and, and, and bodies and relates, relationships and all of that. And then, of course, the fear of God. And, and I just, it just that word obstacles, um, where she was saying, yeah, everything, everything really is uh, obstacles to, to the feeling. Uh, I, I love that. And another piece I really loved, and I'll, I'll shut down with two things, was the percentages. You know, it kept going up, here's 1%, and here's 5%, 20%, 35%, and we, we're watching this go, and as it's starting, to, she's disappearing. And for me, that, that percentage was, no, I've got to take 100% responsibility, take command of the dream, take responsibility for my mind, and, and, take, and take 100% ownership. And nothing less. And I think that goes to the point that I needed to hear again and again, no compromising. And all the specialness compromises and catching myself in it and then um, exposing it, exposing the private thoughts of the compromise and then the backlash uh, uh, of guilt, that the doubt thoughts and the guilt of thinking, oh, why did you expose yourself? Now, now you're just fucking lost. And it's like, well, no, don't hang out there. Just keep exposing and allow it to come through. But it, it's, it's beautiful. And, but I just love that scene, the, the, the flow of the emotion and just getting into touch with what was, what was real. And the final scene for me that, that just made me laugh because I thought, oh, that was for me. It was the, 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 that, those black heels with the red underprint at some Laboutin high heels or whatever the fancy. And you see them out there on occasion and then their black dress is just there and then there's no body. There's just these symbols of attraction these powerful symbols in the male mind, they're like, whoa. And I, I just caught that. I just I wanted to expose that. And I, I got a big chuckle out of that thinking, well, the body completely disappeared. And I'm left with these silly symbols. It was kind of like the last movie we watched where they had the rings. You know, they're dancing with joy on the bed because they're connecting. And then, then boom, he just, time traveler's wife, or he disappears. And then and he just left with these symbols. And it's like, well, yeah, it's all, it's all a symbol in your mind. And who are you doing it with? And to your point, of the book, um, purpose is the only choice. That's that's a gem, and everybody needs to have that. Have several copies around because they're going to disappear. <laughs> you're going to hand them out. And you're going to think, where did what happened to my copy? So I had to go find it. Where's my copy? But uh, thank you, uh, thank you. Oh, beautiful. Thank you, Stephen. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and I'll go to Frank now. Go ahead, Frank. I have to. Oh, I have to. Yeah, we hear you. Hi, Frank. Hi, David. I, have, I just have this thing in the middle. Oh, here, I pushed it off. Hi, David. Thank you. Uh, this is actually my, I guess, my last session before I leave, then live anyway. Because, um, uh, yeah, I'll be in Europe. But, um, yeah, there was something very powerful uh, watching the movie. And then when you said that, it's just, boom, you know, it came as clear as these blue little crystals in the movie, you know, uh, <laughs> that I'd love to binge on because I thought, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I like that experience. Twenty-four hours, you know. <laughs> but 
you know, when you said, um, who is the, I, I, you said, who is the me? What did you say? Who is the me? Yeah. Who is the, who is the one living in this world? Yeah. Who is the me living in this world? Yeah. And, and it's just, you know, I had an experience with that in, even with my pain and everything. You say, who is the me? having the pain, who's afraid. And so I had heard it before, you know, also I've been kind of using it because it's the Ramani Maharshi thing, you know, that mm -hmm. who am I? So I've been questioning that, but it was like really uh, powerful. Uh, I don't know if you want to say a little more about it or I just wanted to thank you for it. Yeah. Well, it's good. I, I mean, I, I think that's powerful when, when there's a, this, a, a, a statement or a question and then Jesus asks a question back. You know, it's really, it's really kind of an undoing, like a can opener, like opening the mind up. So, yeah, that always caught my attention. And, and it's nice, even if you saw the blue crystals, you know, it, it, it was a, a symbol to you. Like you're ready to go out, type into Google's, what is it called? C something. CHP4. You know, it's kind of funny. Uh, and then the way they said it was like that, that uh, pregnant, you know, mothers manufacture it at a certain stage, like a, like a nuclear explosion in terms of, of growth. Because that was a nice metaphor. You know, it's, because we're all looking for something that will accelerate um, the thing, even though Jesus says, well, the mind has already decided that's uh, the point um, really outside of time. But still, it seems like that's, that draws our, our attention when we look at anything, any kind of question or any kind of presentation that really activates us. So, I'm, gl I'm so glad you could be part of this uh, Lucy movie before you fly back to Europe. And then uh, I know that they have, Emily and, and Jason, all of them, they, Soren, they have the, the movies over there uh, with one day delay, but they still have this interactivity like we like that comes there. So, you know, it's kind of cool. But... I wish you bon voyage. <laughs> oh, sweet, sweet, sweet. Okay, looks like that's all of our hands. Okay, well, thank you so much again. Wow, it, it's just great to, to see what, what actually comes for us all. But uh, that's a strong one. So I'm sure that will stay with us a bit <laughs> during our nighttime dreams. <laughs> we have Lucy igniting us, igniting our hearts. So thank you all for showing up and, and your smiling faces. And yeah, we, we are very inspired to, to interact with you this way and it feels very intimate. And um, I, I just love the movies. Uh, it's something that I'm really drawn to, and and then we we thought of Kristen. Yeah, Kristen mentioned this uh, movie on an, on an email message. So I'm we were so happy to see you could be here too. So I hope you 
had a beautiful experience with it, because we all did. Thank you for that, that suggestion. Mm -hmm. ah. mm -hmm. So, as they say in the Truman Show, good afternoon, good evening, and good night <laughs> from uh, our broadcasting center down here in Mexico. And we'll see you again soon. Yeah.